Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Average Dude Podcast. The Average Dudes. There's two dudes. Oh my time. Yeah. I'm not alone. Tanner Ward, however, is not accompanying me today on the ADP. So I looked around and I was like, okay, I need another average dude. And who do I know that fits the bill to be an average dude on a podcast talking fantasy football? Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you all to Nathan Frizz. Nathan, how's it going? Hey, hello, everybody. I'm good. I'm good, Matt. I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? Thanks for inviting me. Of course. You know, I mean, here we are, two episodes <clears> in, <throat> Tanner already, you know, taking his bye week early on here. Yeah. Well, it's like yeah. The, yeah. Uh, what, the Steelers and Titans, right? Had that last year where it was like, what, week four? They their bye. So it's yeah, not super early bye. No. The, uh, no. What year was that? The Ravens and Texans had a game and uh, well, a hurricane came through and damaged the Texans stadium. And so the Ravens bye week, I want to say it was 08. I want to say it was Flacco's rookie year. And, was uh, it week one? No, I think it was week two, I want to say. Oh, okay. okay. It, it was up there, though. Yeah, it was either week one or two. And then uh, the Ravens made the AC championship and lost to the Steelers. But you didn't hear the Ravens crying and complaining, did you? Meanwhile, this past season, you heard the Steelers complaining quite a bit about the whole bye week situation. So just well, throwing that no, out there. Tomlin was one to say that we are not going to use this as an excuse. Now, yes. I can't speak for the fans or the players, but Tomlin said we don't care. So, that's true. But that's and, that's typical Mike Tomlin. And, and Tomlin, now, he is the one of the best coaches. He is incredible. Oh, absolutely. Class. Yeah. I love Tomlin. He's, he's, a, he's just that general type. You know, yes. like he's that guy – your players are doing 40 type of guy. And he's that style head coach that I love. I think me and Tanner actually touched on this just a hair last week. Um, I don't love necessarily the X's and O's style coaches all the time. You know, I think you need a coach the leader, though. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, Harbaugh. Ron Rivera, I think, is really yeah. fits that bill good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tom you know, uh, Rips, Josh Rovemeyer, like, oh, t- eight years ago said, you know, the Steelers, they – you know, Tomlin's the kind of coach they're going to go to war for. And yeah. he's right. Like, that's the kind of inspiration he inspires in his guys. And and that's that's been there since day one. What was that, 07? I think it started in 07. Yeah, I won't say it was one year before Harvard. Wow. Isn't that something? Now, speaking of managers that your players go to war for, Nathan, uh, you yeah. as a fantasy manager is someone that I think you would inspire your, uh, your players to go to war. And so we're going to talk fantasy okay. today. And right. we've got a big old show listed for you. Obviously, Julio Jones trade. That's the biggest part of it all. Uh, Nathan, you are by far the best commissioner of any leagues I have ever been a part of. Oh, all well, sports. So I'm going to grill you a little bit on what makes a good commissioner. Uh, sure. We're going to kind of talk about just you know, some of the things that are coming mm-hmm. out. You know, Some of the uh, mini camp reports you know, that you always hear around this time of the year. You know, Everybody's in the best shape of their life kind of stuff. Sure. Um, then we're just going to took a look at our own personal rankings a little bit and just kind of talk about what players we feel like we are higher or lower on than others. Obviously we're very early on in the uh, ranking process with it only being June, but you know, it's nice to kind of see how that all kind of goes. So Nathan, let's start kick it off with the Julio Jones trade, the uh, future hall of famer going from Atlanta to Tennessee, a second and a fourth going back to the Falcons, a sixth going to the Titans as part of the trade. So for our purposes, the Falcons acquired nothing for this year, you know, for our, for our purposes. And T- Julio Jones goes to the Tennessee Titans. Let's start out on the Titans side, because I think that's a lot more interesting. How are you feeling? Let's start out with Julio himself. How do you feel about Julio right now? 
Well, I'm I'm a big Julio guy, and I, I mean, who isn't, right? I mean, this is he's that total he's that prototypical big, fast, strong receiver we love so much. I think he's the best receiver we've seen since Megatron. And there's been a lot of, like, we had Antonio Brown have a great run, right? We've had A.J. Green, Michael Thomas. We've had some some really special players. But in terms of uh, consistent dominance DeAndre over Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, absolutely, yeah. We've, in terms of dominance over, like, the, into- the entire decade, I think he's been the best one since Calvin Johnson basically retired. Um, I got a little fun fact for you. In high school, his nickname was Waffle House. Ooh. And well, it was because he was he was always open. That's why. Ah, I was gonna say <laughs> that's really fun because he ends up in Atlanta, which is like oh. the origins of Waffle House. Wow. So it's like it was destiny. It was know? destiny. So yeah, maybe um, now we need to start calling him Hattie B, you know, for that <laughs> hot chicken down in Nashville. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a I'm big on Julio. And yeah, you don't see you mentioned it too. Uh he'll be a, he will be a Hall of Famer. You don't see guys like this on the move very often. So so a big move like this is is fun to see happen, for sure. So, yeah, I like you said, we'll start with Tennessee. I think it's a lot of fun for Tennessee. I mean, you know, you've already got Derrick Henry, who I think is the best running back in, in football right now. We both love A.J. Brown. You even more than I do. Um, I You know, I think this will hurt his fancy outlook a bit, right? But in terms of real ball – I mean, how exciting is that to have these two guys lined up, you know, lined up on opposite sides? That's that's awesome. Well, and, and for our purposes, that's going to help Tannehill. But where do you yeah. where are you landing on Julio specifically right now? Yeah, like uh, for fantasy, more fantasy wise. Yeah, yeah this, is a fa- this is a fantasy football podcast. Yeah, so we're going to talk about fantasy football. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> to me, honestly, it doesn't change a whole lot for me. Okay, I I had him. Get the right one up here. I had him at 11 in okay. my last rankings, which were in May, uh, about mid-May. And that was with Calvin Ridley ahead of him already. So, you know, I think at this point of his career, he's 32 already, correct? He's yeah. 32 now. He won't. Yeah, his, his so birthday was like last week. Okay. So he's 32 now. Um, I think just naturally, you know, we're not, we're not going to see the – 1600 yards he churned out a year from basically 2014 to 2019 he's never been a touchdown guy right i mean we've we've talked about this for a long time uh he he averages about six touchdowns a season which is low low for a a superstar of his caliber that's low for a wide receiver one in general I, I know, right? Like Robert Woods averages about six touchdowns, and yeah. that's the knock on him. And Julio Jones also <laughs> averages about six touchdowns. And it's just weird. You know, like we saw Antonio Brown score what, like 12 a season? For yeah, like five during, years, his, right? during his big run. Yeah, yeah, it was, and, and it was double digits keep, every year. People keep saying that, well, Julio is double teamed a lot. And it's like, but you're telling me these, you're telling me DeAndre Hopkins doesn't face double teams? Devontae Adams. Devontae I mean, Adams. You can basically bank on him for double digit right. touchdowns. I, mean, I think one of the differences talk- there is the uh, the red zone offensive schemes. You know, Atlanta think, gets close, they I, like I to run. You you know, I think the, you got me right. We saw, yeah, we saw a lot of Devonta Freeman touchdowns yeah. right in the red zone. Todd Gurley last year scored yeah. a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah. So you're and, right. It's it's, it's got to be something because it doesn't make sense from a from a skill set standpoint to be that dominant. He's he averages 96 yards per game for his career. That's which insane. is just 
incredible. It's an NFL record, of course. It's incredible. That not for a season, not for a stretch, from the day he started in the NFL to now, he's averaged 96 yards a game. Yeah, that's amazing. So the, the touchdown thing's just a weird anomaly to a sensational career. Uh, so with that in mind, yeah, I mean, he had a star receiver in Calvin Ridley already. Now, I, I mean, I think we both think A.J. Brown has potentially better than Calvin Ridley, maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely right? I think we probably like him better than Calvin Ridley. Yeah. So to me, it doesn't change much. I had him at 11. He'll probably stay in that 11 to 15 range for me, I think. I dropped him down to 18. Okay. And it's not I, I had him at uh I had him at 13 in May. Uh, so I dropped him down to 18 is not the biggest drop in the world. I put him behind uh he's right behind DJ Moore and CD Lamb. So a couple of young guys there that I think can really break out. And I think that's where the difference is, is that like I don't see Julio having a monster season this year. Versus those guys that can have the upside to have monster seasons. And like, I've got him right in front of uh, Kenny Galladay and Robert Woods. So it's like, he's the best of that type of guy where it's like, I don't see any scenario where Kenny Galladay goes out and cracks the top eight. You know, I don't, I don't see, you know, not with Daniel Jones at quarterback. You know, I don't, I don't really see any scenario for Robert Woods where he cracks top eight. I think Julio has a better shot than those two of doing it, but I also don't see Julio getting to that point either well i it's tough for me like i've only had julio like one time in my 12 years of fantasy football um so i haven't had him a lot so it's it's hard for me to know where to take him and i've done a few i've done a handful of mock drafts he's going like round four or five which just seems really late for julio jones and i and i get the big thing is he's 32 and there's this big injury question right so I, yeah I he missed some, what nine games last year uh he let me see i did some looking into this because yeah, i've heard he left a lot early about games as well i want last year he played in nine games so he, he played seven. in nine games okay i had that flip then but in the previous six seasons he only missed four games total from sure. 2014 to 2019 so i'm not really sure where this injury bug thing comes well, from er, early in his career he had some injury problems and yeah, I think but that's sometimes once 2013. Get, yes, but I think sometimes once you get told, oh, this guy's had injury problems, that can stick with you forever. You know, yeah, um, I, I think Keenan is probably another one where like Keenan Allen, he hasn't really had many injuries in a while. No. But and that yeah, one year ones. was four different things, including like a lacerated yeah. kidney. And now he's deemed as injury prone. But like I said, and with me, it reminds me of Calvin Johnson. It seemed like Calvin always banged was up. always limited in practice, or he didn't practice. Yeah, he's always banged up, but he always plays and produces. That's what it reminds me of. That look, like if you have him on your team, he's going to have a question mark. He's going to have that red Q by his name the entire season, but he's pretty much always going to play, uh, except last year. But before that, like I said, 2014 to 2019, he averaged. 1,565 yards a season over those six years and only missed four, four total games. So yeah. the injury thing doesn't really bother me. The age thing did, but then I looked up some other superstar type players at age 32. So I looked up like Randy Moss, right? Age sure. 32 season, 83 catches, almost 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. I looked up Larry Fitzgerald, who this feels like this was 10 years ago, but (laughs) (laughs) whenever this was, he went for 109 catches, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, 
And I also looked up T.O. And T.O., his age 32 season, looks Where like he got he? injured. I think it was his last year in Philadelphia. Was it? And it, he only played like four games. Yeah. So I went to age 33, which I believe is his first year in Dallas. And he went for 85, 1,213 touchdowns. So that made me feel better. These are also three fellow you know, Hall of well, Fame wide receivers. And you know, I I'm think, not, though, not everybody, but so if, if T.O. was in Philly at that point, Moss, that was Ryan's probably New England. Year. Um, and by 32, I think it was probably New England at that point. Where was he? I think you're right. Where, yeah, where was he right before New England? Did he Oakland, Oakland. He was oh, held Oakland. in purgatory. Okay. Yeah, he, he was really great at the Vikings, so they threw him in jail for a few years and, and okay. with the Raiders. Okay. So we all forgot about him, and then he came back yeah. with the uh, Patriots. And Yeah, you know. I think this is one of his last years in New England. Then. Yeah. Okay, and then Larry is obviously in uh, Arizona. That's probably yeah. one of the Carson Palmer years. Just I would thinking. say so. So I think the interesting part there is none of – all those guys were the number one, right? In Philly, T.O. had no yeah. one else around. I think it was like Todd Pinkston or something was like the number two at one point. Uh, you know – yeah, you had Welker catch like 100 balls, but with that offense they ran, well, they probably threw the ball more often than what Tennessee's going to throw the ball. The big question is A.J. Brown's there and a low-volume passing team. They're going to run yeah, Derrick Henry no. still. That's not going to change. Absolutely, yeah. And now going that... from the most pass-happy offense in the league. You know, last year Matt Ryan led the NFL in attempts, and I think he's done that several times over the course of Julio's career. Oh, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, to me, that combination of the overall volume of the offense that's going down. Now he's not the number one target in his offense either, so his share of the targets is going to go down. That combination is concerning, and I do think that maybe there is, you know, a small percentage of maybe Julio does better as a player in space, you know, maybe that is part of the touchdown thing to an extent, you know, maybe. So part of that is, you know, so do I think the touchdown, like, is he going to catch eight to 10 touchdowns this year? I don't think I can count on that. I think I can count on six. Well, eight to uh, well he's, a little bit tough. he's only had double digit touchdowns once. So right. yeah, I would, I would say it's safe to take the under unless so I, it's, so at 32, Risk, yeah. coming off an injury with a lower passing volume offense and a number one wide receiver who's really great ahead of him, I yeah, don't exciting. know how much I can count on Julio. I did not adjust A.J. Brown at all. I left A.J. Brown at number five. I'm really thinking about putting him down at six or even seven, but my number six is D.K. Metcalf, and Metcalf, he's got Lockett you know, there already. And I think Seattle's going to throw the ball more than Tennessee, but both coaches really like to run the ball there, so – I'm not totally sure on that one. And then seven being yeah. Michael Thomas, that's just a big old Taysom Hill size question mark. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right there. Yeah. It's, it's difficult because they're, they're, it's two star, like potential superstar yeah. receivers. Like AJ Brown seems like he's on his way to becoming a superstar. So it's like, yeah. Do they both end up in the top 10 or do they take away from each other? And like you mentioned, Derek Henry should still be the engine of this offense. So yeah. It's not like they're just going to be like, all right, you know, thanks for your work. We're going to go air it out 40 times a game now. It's hard for me to see that happening. Well, Unless the defense is bad like it was last year where they're in situations where they can't control the game running the ball because they're allowing 30 a game. And Henry and they, doesn't catch passes either. So He does not. And they didn't do a whole situations. lot. And they didn't do a whole lot to work on the defense uh, this <laughs> offseason either. Like, they did I, basically nothing? I mean, it's not yeah, I mean, on an injured corner. 
Yeah, yeah. Who? Which I like that pick. I do, but like you, you let Adoree Jackson go. Uh, you let uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Butler, Butler go. Your top two corners are gone. I know they brought in a couple of vets, but uh, I know Jenkins. Janoris Jenkins was one of them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But they didn't make any big moves to no. where you're like, okay, I feel better about it. And that defense was the main problem last year. So, so that might be a situation too where you get into shootouts now. Where and and those Derrick Henry low games, that's exactly what happens, right? You know, if you're down, if you're in a shootout or you're down 14, it's hard to just feed Derrick Henry and try to come back. So it, it'll be interesting, but to me, Julio's that special type of player. I was concerned about the age. I, I think people were talking about more of like a physical standpoint, like at age 32, how is he physically? I'm not as concerned about that. I'm a lot more concerned about what you mentioned about the lower volume of targets and Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. than I am his age. Like, yeah, I think, I think he's special fair. enough that we don't got to worry about that at least till another year, especially looking at how some other elite receivers like those three I mentioned. And like I said, those are three Hall of Famers. There's plenty of wide receivers who turned 32 and did not play well, right? Rodney so, White, you know, the the, yeah. uh, the the veteran with Julio. Yeah. Thir- so it goes season ways. is where the cliff hit. Yeah, I was there. Absolutely. I, I was uh, I was there for it. Yeah, it, it did not go well. But I think for me, it's the combination of all those things that make me say, let me take CD Lamb instead. You know, let me take the young guy with major I, potential. Okay, but like to me, CD Lamb is a similar situation where it's a crowded offense that wants to run the ball. With so, 700 passes. If they want to run yeah. the ball, look at how much Dak threw. Well, Their defense doesn't let I them know, run the but, ball either. It, but like they weren't winning games doing that though. Like, no, and I'm this, not sure if they would have won games handing ball to Zeke either last well, year. Well, I yeah, well, I yeah, you're right. Last year was a disaster. Like, <laughs> and even if Dak stays healthy, what they probably go eight and eight and win the division. But still, <laughs> eight and eight is not twelve and four, right? No, so, no, like, it's not. When this when this team was at its best, you know, early in the Dak Zeke years, it was Zeke was a machine to it. That is when this team yes. was playing its best football. And I'm just not sold that that they're going to throw it away to let Dak air it out 60 times a game right? and throw for 6,000. Now maybe they will, but I just still think at, at the, at the beginning of the day, the number one focus is we're going to, we're going to establish Zeke. And I mean, you got stars everywhere. Of course yeah. you, you got Amari Cooper on a hundred million dollar contract. You got CD lamb on a first round pick. Michael Gallup doesn't get a lot of love, but a he's a weapon. He's a, fine he's a weapon. And and obviously you, you just signed. Yeah, Jarvin's fun. Yeah. yeah back from and, his injury. And you know, Dalton Schultz was did some did some nice things. The yeah. old line's healthy. I, I get it, but I'm not and th- we could touch on this later in our bigger low, because he was one of the guys I can't or I'm sorry, higher low, because he was one of the guys I came across that I'm lower than most people. Okay. And it's well, not a CD. It. Well, he's not my pick, though. He's oh, he's not, not your pick. pick. Okay, okay. No. Um, but my reasoning was, is that I, you know, I love CD lamb, but there's just a lot in the way for steady work. Sure. That's fair. But I don't mean to get off topic. So back no. to Julio. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, And that's why I think that though, like, yeah, like you said, comparing him with that, you know, Woods, you know, he's got cup there. That's going to take a ton of target, yeah. you know, not necessarily the production, but the, the targets, you know, Jamal no, Chase well, yeah. isn't very far oh, away. Yeah. Like, that's why I think Julio falls in this range, you know, CD, uh, DJ Moore. Robbie Anderson, we all know anybody who drafted DJ Moore last year. I think Robbie Anderson was the most cursed out f- football player. I know that was unex- last year. 
That was unexpected. Uh, Godwin and Evans, you know, they're they're just a little bit ahead of Julio to me, but they're taking away from each other. You have Adam Thielen down around that range. You have Tyler Lockett, Juju. So a lot of these guys in this range where I'm putting Julio have those other pieces that also do take those targets away. So I think that's where Julio lives. I do want to ask you about one other piece before we move on from the Titan side of things. Sure. Uh, Let's talk about, you mentioned Derrick Henry, and they're not going to totally go away from it. Is this enough, though? And by the way, we should mention this earlier. Uh, I forgot. Me and you are both non-PPR guys. Correct. So our no, rankings I, yes, are non-PPR. Correct. correct. Um, is this enough to make Derrick Henry RB4 for you? Because he's been RB4 for me. But I know for you, he's been a little bit higher than that. I've got him at RB2. Uh, this probably has me drop him to three. To three. Okay. So still Kamara yeah. then behind him? Yes, and I have the four pick in our main league, so yes. this this is right in my like I had Dalvin behind him, and you've done a lot of convincing to me about swip, uh, swapping those. I've in the mock drafts I've done, it's kind of gone all over the place where Derek Michael one, two, three, or four, but. Considering Kamara's questions with the quarterback situation, sure. I would not be able to put him above Derrick Henry. That's understandable. I think, yeah. and like we said, Derrick Henry is still the end of this offense. I do yes. think there's a chance that they go a little more pass. In, well, well, not pass heavy by any means, but just sure. they, they've been among the bottom of the league in terms sure. of pass attempts. Maybe yeah. it comes up to <laughs> they're still in the bottom of third. Well, look at those in 2000. 19 the uh, the postseason their two playoff wins against the Patriots and Ravens <laughs> oh, yeah yeah was I mean it was under 15 pass attempts each game oh, I think right I'm pretty it sure. might have been lower well and Garoppolo was doing the same thing like, in San Fran <laughs> yeah <laughs> right so like we've seen that you know and then, and then last year Tannehill has probably the best season of his career so it's it's a fun offense for sure like it's it's a lot of fun but yeah it's tough to tell for fantasy but. To me, Derrick Henry and Julio and AJ, and AJ Brown too, not yet for me, but like they're good enough that the coaches are going to find a way to make it work. Like if you, if you spend the number two overall pick on Derrick Henry and he stays healthy, he's not going to drop to number 10, right? Like, like we know how good he is. Yeah. The coaches know how good he is. Same with Julio. Like it's easy to sit here in June and, and at any point of the season and, think of all the negatives but then you gotta remember these guys are the elite of the these guys are the top yeah. of the top you know for well that's why I, left gonna find ways I didn't drop derrick henry for that reason it's like i already had him at four um to yeah. me him and camara was very close i think now it's not quite as close because again i look at derrick henry and he's led the nfl in rushes each last two years last yeah. year he had 378 carries yeah that's a ton of work that's a lot and he and led the league not, the year before with 303. He tacked on 75 carries from his league leading total the year before. <laughs> yeah, that, 75 extra carries. So to me, if it goes from 378 down to, I mean, he could, could he lose 100 carries over the course of the season? Now there's 17 games though, so on the per, that's true, you know, base, but. Still and it's though. not like he's running out of bounds either. Like he is no, he taking is, a lot of contact. He's making <laughs> gifts out there. Yeah, he is. You're right. So it's not like it's not like Franco Harris running out of bounds a lot. It's he is he is laying the wood. He's receiving. You know, he is. Yeah. 
taking a lot of contact. So that is definitely a concern. And I can see that being a reason for why the offense will might, you know, try to take a hundred carries off or get it closer to 300 opposed to 400. Because look at the Rams Super Bowl, you know, once Todd Gurley ran out of gas, they put up what yeah. three points against the Patriots well, or something. It, I mean, when CJ so, Anderson is right. taking important touches away from Ty Gurley in the Super Bowl, yeah, something was. I mean, bad. I have Darrington Evans in Dynasty, so I'm rooting for the Derrick Henry breakdown. But like, if, if it's Darrington Evans show, I don't think that's going very far for the tight. So well, you know, they yeah, might also, make though, a concerted with, effort. I I can see that, especially when you have when you just trade for Julio, right? It's right. like now you can. You know, and, You've got Tannehill playing the best he's ever played. Like, I yeah. thought Tannehill might be done after Miami. Like, oh, definitely. He was, thought, he was the know, backup going into the season. Like, he was a receiver in college, right? Like, receiver turned quarterback, had a nice little stint, but now it might be over. And they found a way to completely revive his career and get him playing the best he's playing. So, yeah, I could see considering that going on, they paid him a ton of money, too. Mm-hmm. I, I could see a concerted effort to. To, yeah, to use him more, to use these two awesome receivers more. And, yeah, that might result in a, in a substantial less amount of carries for Derrick Henry. But think about the touchdowns he scores, too. Like, sure. I'm very confident, if healthy, he still finishes top four or five. Yes, and like I said, that's why I had him at four, and I didn't drop him despite sure. this news. I guess, um, But for me, I think it solidified yeah. him at four for me. Okay, like with me, with Camaro, I could see a situation where Camaro drops closer to 10 because the receptions aren't there like they used to Drew Brees. And the and, rushing, and, he's never been like a 1,400-yard rushing guy either. Yeah. Like, I, I th- has he ever been 1,000? Maybe once? Uh, like, I think his – Do one more. I feel like he hit I want to say once. last year is his first 1,000-yard season. Normally, that, he's like an 800-700 guy, right? 800 rushing, 700 receiving. And I'm worried if that 700 receiving goes down to, you know, 400 – you know, what could that mean? But Kamara's, you know, he's awesome too. So he scored 21 touchdowns last year. He has right? so, never had a thousand yards rushing. He had 932 okay. last year. All right. He was getting close. Okay. So like I could uh, see a situation where given both of them play all six, 17 games, I'm sorry. Uh, I could see a situation where Kamara drops closer to 10, whereas with Henry, I don't see him five. So that's one of the reasons why I got him above Kamara. But I That's definitely fair. understand the injury concern, the potential injury concern. I will say too, though, Gurley did have the ACL history, right? Uh, so, like with that, well, arthritis, but we've seen tons of running backs. Sure. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it happens every year where they they have a ton of carries. We go, oh, he's a beast. Yeah, he's gonna have all these carries. He'll be fine. Then they they all peter out eventually, right? They all break yeah. down at some point. Uh, let's shift gears though, and let's sure. go over to the Falcon side of things. Um, in practice, they were quote force feeding pits the the ball, and <laughs> I think that there's reason to be really excited for Kyle Pitts coming out of this. Um, I did not move him up at all, though. I left him at seven, right behind Goddard and Hawkinson at tight end, partially because I don't think Julio leaving is what would make Pitts break out in year one. I think it like if Pitts is gonna break out in year one, that just means he was ready. It didn't really matter if there was Julio. It didn't matter if there was Calvin Ridley. Like, this guy was being so hyped up going into the NFL draft as the greatest player in the history of football. Oh, my God, look at this man. (laughs) That, like, I think this is good. He's going to be good. But at the same time, there's the rookie tight end, you know, history that we have where no rookie tight end is good. So, I I just left Pitts at seven. 
the last dominant rookie I can think of is Gronk. And yeah, I don't know his numbers off the top of my head, but I doubt they were, you know, prime Gronk numbers. But yeah, well, how, we see this a lot where uh, tight ends get drafted in the first round, second round, and are almost a non-factor year one. Mm-hmm. Like, look at TJ Hawkinson, who I really like. I liked him coming out of Iowa. He reminded me of Jason Witten. I still like him. Week one, he had like 100 yards and two touchdowns, and we're like, yeah, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson. I think you picked him up, did you? I, I did, and uh, that, was the year that, was where, that was the year where my tight ends, like, had zero points every week. Yeah. And because, he was a part of that because Yeah, I didn't I didn't have Hawkinson yeah. for week one. I don't remember who it was I had, but whoever I had for week one put up zero. I want to say Hawkinson had two straight zeros in weeks two uh, and three. It, it was it was something like and that. it was like I went like it was like five or six weeks with zero out of my tight end position. And yeah. uh real quick on Gronk. So his his yeah. rookie year was 546 yards, but 10 oh, touchdowns. Okay. So, so the touchdowns kind of saved that season. I mean, 546 yeah. is pretty mediocre. Uh, yes. I mean, actually, I, mean, I guess among tight ends, it's actually not so bad. I mean, gosh, that's yeah, probably but, fifth. <laughs> I mean, with the 10 touchdowns, like, he was probably a top five fantasy receiver that year. I, I would guess so. Um, so not but, knowing so, how, like, Gonzalez and Gates did, I yeah. would assume so. Hey, Vernon Davis was Vernon still Davis going that strong. Time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, but, like, that's that's still 10 touchdowns. That's a really strong rookie season where we haven't seen anything like that from the rookie tight end since, unless I'm missing someone. But, like, O.J. Howard was a mid-first-round right. pick in the NFL draft. I think he had a fine rookie season, but he wasn't an elite fantasy option by any means. No. Uh, so, yeah, you, you, have a, after. you have an Eric Ebron, right? Yep. Slow start yep. in Detroit. So, you're it right. Took him until he went to Indy. <laughs> yeah, that was year five. Yeah, probably. Probably after contract. rookie contract. So, so I definitely get that concern. I had Pitts at six, sure. and I may move him to five. I got TJ Hawkinson okay. there right now. Uh, I, I am with you. I definitely heard the greatest player of all time buzz for Pitts. It was real. Like, I mean, there was some really exciting players in this draft, but I don't think any of them got the hype that Kyle Pitts did. Right. Like, no, yeah. Like, like, did Pitts end up with more hype than Trevor Lawrence, who's the best I quarterback think he since did. luck? I think he did. And I think a part of it was that there was no true contender to Trevor Lawrence at number one. Like, sure. pretty much since, I think, they lost to Ohio State, I think, in the college football playoff. But, like, right after that happened, they're like, all right, he's number one overall. Yeah. Next question. And whereas – um. And I feel like most there, there drafts... was nothing there's nothing to talk about with Trevor. You just put exactly. him down. You know, That's I think a, a lot of mock drafts I read even were just like, Yep, the pick is Trevor, moving on. Yeah, you know, kind yeah, of Yeah, because I did a I did like a I typed a like a debrief of all of the round one picks. And Trevor Lawrence might have been my shortest debrief of, <laughs> of just like I didn't have anything to talk about. Like, yeah, he checks all the boxes. He's one of those special prospects like Peyton Manning out of Tennessee, Andrew Luck out of Stanford where it's just like, you don't see any problem. He just seems to check every box. Right. And then I moved on to number two. <laughs> like, and then, and then, um, oh, Zach, Wilson. Zach, yeah, Zach, Zach Wilson, who was also expected to go number two, but there was more to talk about. Right. He's that kind of boomer bust type of pick, you know, one big season out BYU. So, and then, and then, yeah, but Kyle Pitts was talking about more than both those guys. Yeah. You are right. It was, 
it was Kyle Pitts' season for sure. And now they get rid of Julio, so now right. it's like it's back. It's like, well, <laughs> so I think I'll have them at five or six. But like you mentioned, I think it's important to note that we have seen a we have seen several tight ends get drafted in the first round and very few of them go on to have substantial fantasy value that first year. Well, and I think too, for fantasy purposes in the mid rounds, we've seen a lot of tight ends just get bust. Oh yeah. That's, that's me every year. Right in that heart of that group. Like I think. Oh yeah. Those are the guys that are going to be right there in that group that every year it feels like get drafted and they're just not very good. Are they? Evan Ingram a couple years ago, Tyler Higby last year was kind of one of those guys. Yeah, that's um, me. I'm that guy. I'm that guy who I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. want to spend a third or fourth round pick on a tight end, but I'm also too nervous to wait until round 11. So let me take that round seven, eight tight end. Like mm-hmm. OJ Howard a couple years ago yep. was horrible. Evan Ingram last year in round nine, that went horrible. So yeah, he is in the thick of that range and it's it's dangerous territory. <laughs> Let's talk about the, uh, the other guy who's probably perceived as the big winner. And ironically, I didn't move him at all in my rankings. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I had him at 10 before. And I because when I made those first rankings, I kind of figured Julio was going to get traded, but we didn't know where. So I kind of baked in like, when okay. I did my rankings okay. the last time, Julio, I almost considered like a neutral situationally. And I moved him down because it was a bad situation. I think he's going to with Tennessee versus Ridley. I kind of ranked him at 10 with the assumption Julio is not going to be there. So I left him at 10 and I think it'd be really hard for me to move him up because like that's, I think the top eight is solid as a rock. I cannot ever imagine moving any of those top eight out of there. Terry McLaurin's for me at nine. I could, I could see putting Ridley over McLaurin, uh, but I left him at 10 for now. Yeah. Ridley, I had it nine before the news. I will probably move him to seven. To seven. Um, Yeah. Now. Yeah. Who who are the guys you're passing on? Well, I would probably put him above A.J. Brown and Allen Robinson. Whoa. Yeah. And I have Allen Robinson a little bit lower at 12 already. Yeah. And over just to A.J. Know, Brown for it. We love Allen Robinson. Like, yes. Make sure everybody knows that we, yeah. we've always loved Allen Robinson. And it is not an Allen Robinson problem either. No, no. <laughs> Allen Robinson to me is one of the most yeah. beautiful football players oh, in this he's league. gorgeous. I mean, he, he checks all the boxes. He's so underappreciated too, you know. So if he ever uh, had a decent, like I'm really rooting for Justin Fields, just to, for Allen Robinson. Unless Allen Robinson leaves after this year, then I'm rooting for whatever quarterback he goes. <laughs> <laughs> what a great player! Uh, but, but like, uh, yeah, to me, I so I had AJ Brown at seven. Uh, the Julio thing makes me nervous enough to drop sure. him down okay. a little. That's fair. Uh, so where now, like Ridley last year was. Was he number four? I think he was top five, but he was awesome, right? I will say, though, it does make me wonder how will he be on his own now, right? This kind of reminds me of the Juju Smith-Schuster Antonio Brown situation. Ooh, that's a great comparison. Where, like, Juju's first two years, we were all like, yeah, Juju, right? Yeah. And, And he was great. But, like, when I was watching film of it and stuff like that, like, I never got on board that he is a true superstar, a true number one. Like I just thought it was pretty obvious that, you know, the Antonio Brown attention mm-hmm. um, on defense, I mean, not media wise, but the Antonio Brown attention from the defenses yep. was really helping Juju. And then when he left, I think that kind of came to fruition that Absolutely. we saw this guy's more, and, and he's still young. Right. But 
this guy's maybe more of a really good piece versus an elite wide receiver one. And that first year without Antonio Brown, he was getting drafted as an elite wide receiver. Yes, he was. So this kind of reminds me of that where, yeah, Calvin Ridley last year, I think he was wide receiver four in standard. That's awesome. Right. But now that Julio's not there and now those number one corners when the, you know, defensive um, coordinator. Marshawn Lattimore won right there in the division. Yeah. Yeah. And look what, yeah, look what he's done to Mike Evans. Yeah. Right. So now that they're circling your name and not Julio's name, that 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 makes me curious. That juju comparison is really good. Like yeah. that that is the warning signal. I had not thought about yeah. how that happened. And with I'm, or with I'm wrong runner. about a lot of things, right? Like I drafted Bilal Powell <laughs> round four. That's wonderful to hear <laughs> as the guy that I advocated hey. for this podcast. I brought hey, on a guy who who's hey. wrong about a lot <laughs> of Hey, I'm just saying, though, but I was going to say, I'm also right about some things, right? Well, you <laughs> know like, what? That is being average, and that's the definition of the 80. No. Hey, look, you're and, wrong and, about a lot of things, <laughs> but you're right about some things. I am average. I am but, adequate. I am mediocre. That's what we're looking for here. That's on brand. Well, I'm trying not to be stubborn and saying, I'm trying not to be stubborn and saying that, you know, I'm going to be right. No, like, I'm going to tell you. You know, I drafted Blau Powell round four and missed the playoffs that, because that was a way. terrible pick. Like, I get it. But sometimes I'm right. And the Juju thing, I think I was right about. Yeah. I will say, though, Juju did not have the type of seasons that Ridley's had the last two years. At least maybe numbers-wise was closer. But on the eye test, watching film, like, I don't think he was as dominant as Calvin Ridley's been. And Calvin Ridley was great coming out of Alabama. It wasn't like he was this – diamond in the rough we were like oh wow look what they found. Right, he was a first round picker really yeah he was really good so it just kind of makes me interested because my first set of rankings back in like february i had really like six and i had to pump the brakes on myself like all right hold, you know like we got to calm down a little bit and now that julio's gone it's like oh did we go back to six like <laughs> yeah but i'm gonna calm down just a little bit i think he's better than juju so i don't see that happening but without julio I don't really see the top five thing happening either. So I think I'm going to keep him in that seven to eight range is probably where he'll stay for me. Yeah. I just, I really struggle with the idea of having him above McLaurin, who I think is a standout number one. And I'm going to, I'll have, I'll talk about McLaurin in a later segment, but yeah, Um, I like him a lot. By, by the way, with the Juju comparison, uh, Ridley last season was 1374 on 90 catches and nine touchdowns juju the final season with antonio brown was 1426 on 111 receptions and seven touchdowns so i would argue julia or uh, juju rather was better in his final season with antonio brown than ridley actually was in his final season with julio but look at how julio or how uh, juju has played out since then not yeah, so, so that's something that makes me a little nervous. Another thing, too, though, and, and you mentioned this with Atlanta, such a high volume of passes. Just Will that the change? Of opportunities. It might, but look at the running back group. Like, it's I mean, not like they Mike si- Davis? You know, Yeah, like, I just, I'm not as concerned with them all of a sudden going to a run heavy offense led by well, Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson. I think, comparably to how, you know, the Titans, I don't think they're going to become a pass heavy offense by any means. But Matt Ryan perennially is among the very top in yeah. pass attempts. 
he led the league in pass attempts last year. Yeah, if that goes yeah, down yeah. at all, and look, this head coach mm-hmm. is the former offensive coordinator for the Titans. So if they go into it with a different approach of, you know, also, by the way, you know, Kyle Pitts, for whatever it's worth, I don't think he's a good blocker, but, you know, tight ends are asked to block and they decide to draft yeah. the tight end, not the wide receiver there, Jamar Chase. So maybe there's a little bit to that too. You know, I think there's a chance that that volume does come down just a small hair. Um, I, I could... If it comes down just that little bit though, I think that that is again, enough for me to look at, you know, Justin Jefferson and say, give me that guy, you know, who also could see a little bit lesser volume potentially, you know, with Zimmer as coach. But yeah, I, I think that this is the range that uh, I'm putting Ridley in. Yeah. I, well, I'm, I'm higher on than you. I, I, I just, I, and I get that you got, it's Arthur Smith, right? Is, is, yeah. is, is a new coach yeah. in Atlanta. And I get that, but like two big factors to me is, is that, you know, he had Derrick Henry, whereas right. now this running back group, like I said, it's Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson right now. They'll probably bring someone else in, you would think, at some point. They put a claim in for carry on Johnson about Mike Oh, Gale, okay. So. Okay, but like, no. you, well, you still got I, I was I think Todd Gurley. But I think they there. But like, I could see, you know, one of those vets that like to wait until training camp to sign, sure. right? You know, maybe they bring in someone like that because like Cordell Patterson is the number two right now, just yeah. doesn't seem right. <laughs> Uh, but another thing to me too is that I can see them wanting to throw less, but I think that defense is still poor. Yeah, and you're in a division with some really good offenses. Obviously, Tampa Bay, New Orleans. No matter who's a quarterback, there's still a lot of talent there. And then hey, if Sam Darnold gets going yeah. and Christian McCaffrey's healthy again, I can you know I can still see a situation where that defense is still bad and they're still losing a lot. And you're down 14 at halftime, and Matt Ryan's leading the league in passing attempts again. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. But the reason I have him ahead of Robin, the reason I have him ahead of AJ Brown is pretty much because of Julio. Um, and then Allen Robinson just being the Chicago factor of, you know, either Andy Dalton or rookie Justin Fields. How does that work for Allen Robinson? Where with Matt Ryan, an offense that I think is still going to throw the ball a lot, he's the number one guy. That's why, but I, we're not too far off, but I, it does, it seems like I'm more bullish on Calvin Ridley than you are. Well, and I think it, it's also a matter of uh, you may being lower on a couple of the other guys that I like. Um, True. Or, you know, I think like the way I'm looking at it is a top 10 and then like there's a line after Ridley. Um, so I'm putting like Ridley, he's fairly close to McLaurin yeah, and Jefferson and Thomas and DK. Like, I think Ridley's, like, in their class, and I think there's a line after Ridley uh, versus, you know, maybe the way the tears shake out, you know, yeah, maybe I, you, I, I come draft that. time, you take other guys. But uh, let's go over to the um, uh, the other side. Russell Gage, does he now become an interesting <clears throat> low-end sleeper for you? Oh, Are you interested maybe, at all, Russell Gage? Not right now. Okay. I've got my wide receiver um, 41, so I, it's not um, like – I, I just feel like I've seen this movie before sure. and it ends up being a different guy, right? Like uh, yep. it's another receiver there. We're not sure who it is. Zacchaeus, maybe he's the one that right? Yes, Kias, sure. I, now, Russell Gage had a nice little season last year. He did. So maybe that is a stepping stone for it. So like, it, it depends what his price is, to be honest with you. Like, I said, I'm not a wide receiver 41. Yeah, which probably puts so, him, what, around round of 10, 11? 
Probably. 12. I've got him behind guys like Tyler Boyd, Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman. I've got him ahead. The guys I have him ahead of are some big old names. Uh, you have Jalen Waddle, Corey Davis, Odell, Debo. <laughs> so, like, there's some big names right behind Russell Gage. That makes you a little bit yeah. nervous about that ranking. But, like, yeah. see, like, where for me, I just feel like I've seen this. It kind of, oh, let me think. <laughs> it, it kind of reminds me. You're, and it's different, but it kind of reminds me about three years ago, I did this with the Bengals and it was AJ Green. Okay. And then it was, okay, you got like Tyler Boyd in his third year. John Ross. And, and you got John Ross oh, coming God. up for his second year. And I'm like, okay, this is a guy they just drafted at like number nine overall. Um, you know, you got AJ Green there, you got the superstar there to get the, the main attention. So I roll with John Ross. And it did not work out. <laughs> and Tyler Boyd had his breakout season. So, like, I shot my shot, but it was the wrong guy. I, I kind of feel like that begs it's going to happen again. But that's just battle scars. I think there's a significant <laughs> level of talent difference. Uh, he was number nine I, overall draft pick. Right. That's what I mean. Like, like, like talent <laughs> perception, though. Like, I think, like, the perception of John Ross was he was number nine overall pick. Russell Gage, the perception is, well, this guy barely gets on the field. But now he's got a nice opportunity as a number two. Like, yeah, you can stick with the Bengals comparison. Could he just be Marvin Jones level? Like, not Tyler Boyd. He's not going to do what Tyler Boyd was doing at his best. You know, even though I only have a few spots behind Boyd. But could he do? Could he luck into, you know, seven touchdowns, seven hundred and fifty yards, oh, and you yeah. can plug I, him in as like a flex every once in yeah, a while? do that it's just i just think it's hard to start him because he's got games where he gives you two catches for 33 yards of course but when you're but, talking but in this range that's to, a lot of guys <laughs> that, that's every guy in this yeah. range you <laughs> yeah, know that's, yeah. uh, so terrence I don't marshall know. is down in this range you know like all of these guys are, are you know Corey davis plays for the jets there might only be two catches for the entire team for yeah, some but he's, he's the number one right now i think like, you know and, I don't you know. know. Maybe Corey just... Davis is a good comparison for what the the good version of Russell Gage could become. Maybe. You know, the maybe. bad version is the just... bad version is, you know, <laughs> like you drafted him in round 13. Oh, again, that's like a round 13 pick. Like wide receiver 41. It's pretty late there. Okay. Now, yeah, like if we're talking like round 13, 14, 15, I could go more on board with that. But like 9, 10, or 11, that's too early for me. Maybe 11 I could sneak him in if you're like – I I, 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 load, just, I loaded up a running back early. Let me just shoot some shots at wide receiver. Yeah. I think you could do a lot worse yeah. than the number two okay. for the Falcons. Especially I in just, PPR, by the way, because he'll play a lot of slot and he'll catch a lot of passes. Yeah, so yeah. For, for those This who is just basically – just like a gut feeling for me is that what he did last year, I think that's the type of player he is. Yeah. Like even though the situation changed, that's still his production. And, and uh, I feel like, you know, like, like, and I get it. I get it. Julio's leaving. That's a ton of targets that just opened up, but it doesn't always mean it's just going to go to who's ever next. I don't know. It just smells funky. <laughs> well, he, he finished last year as the 45th wide receiver with uh, 786 yards on 72 catches and four touchdowns. So yeah, that that's kind of. Yeah. I mean, who missed a lot of time last year, like we said. He did. Calvin Ridley yeah. also missed time last year, so you kind of got a preview 
of Russell Gage. And yeah, yeah. it's like 700, maybe yeah. 800 yards, four to maybe six touchdowns. Maybe you get lucky with a couple extra touchdowns and it's a fine wide receiver four I, or five. I just feel like I'm never going to feel good starting him. So why do oh. I have him? Okay. You know? so but, let, but, let's hey, move on then. but if I draft him in round 15 as a shot around 14 as a shot and you know, Hey, the first four weeks, he looks like the number two, then yeah, you just got a playable piece and we're a double flex league now. Right. So yeah, we are. maybe this is a guy we can start in our second flex. So, so maybe, sure. but I'm just, it, it doesn't excite me. Understandable. Nobody's getting excited over Russell Gage and I don't blame <laughs> So Nathan, let's pivot. You just mentioned our league. It is now a double yeah. flex league. Um, so I'm just going to ask you about your experience as a commissioner. You've been the sure. commissioner of our main home league for, was this, 11 years now? Uh, this will be year 12. This is year 12. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you see commissioners going through? What advice would you have to people who are maybe our commissioners? And, you know, sure. just general being a commissioner. You are the person who I go to. You know, every time I talk to anybody about my fantasy football league and they talk about their commissions, I'm like, well, I've got the best one there is. Like, they should <laughs> fire Goodell and hire Nathan. So just, just well, talk a little you. bit I about what it takes to be a good commissioner. Sure. Yeah, well, so, yeah, this is our 12th year. It started in high school, right, as the Valmeyer FFL. Now it's the MoCo FFL. We expanded it- from just the town to the county. That's right. And <laughs> maybe someday we go a little bigger, but yeah. Well, we, I'm in Kansas <laughs> City now, so I know. take over a whole state. I know. We got well, and out in Florida, and we got... We got two guys in Florida. We got two we guys two, in Florida. Two guys in Florida. Now. Yeah, so we got two guys in Florida. We got one guy, Joe's, what, close to Chicago? Close to close Chicago. To Where's Paz at these days? Where's Paz? Paz is in New York. He's in Buffalo, New York. Man, we are in, we are a national... Yeah. We need yeah, a, I mean... I mean, I'm in like the Chiefs are in the AFC West, so therefore I count as a Western person. Yeah, well, I think you're the only person west of the Mississippi. Wow, <laughs> all the rest of us are east. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yes, um, so it's our 12th year, and it's been a great league. I'm in. I think last year I was in five leagues, and um, and and, and hey, I I fully can, uh, compete in every league I'm in. I give it my best shot, but this has always been my top league. Um, pro- probably yours too. It sounds like oh, yeah, this has always been the main one we talk about. And to me, I mean, it's kind of cliche, but the most important thing to me is, is getting the right people, right? Like if you just try to grab anybody, you know, uh, there's danger that you're going to have a non-competitive league or you're going to have a league where only, you know, a quarter of the participants are trying. And to me, that's like worst case scenario. So the most important thing to the league's success is, in my opinion, having um, making sure that the teams who are even eliminated from uh, from contention, making sure they're still competing, right? Because I'm in a good amount of leagues that after week eight, you know, a, a quarter of the league isn't even setting their lineups anymore. So you've got a pivotal week 10 matchup and you got a bye week because you're playing a guy who's playing Jimmy G on IR and Christian McCaffrey, stuff like that. So that's been really good in our league that pretty much from the beginning, guys have known, you know, even if I'm one and nine, I'm expected to compete and expected to, uh, you know, I'm not asking them to make free agent moves or make trades, right? Like, I get it. They may kind of check out, but you need to at least set your lineup. And that's pretty much been a must 
for our league members, and, and they've definitely lived up. Another thing is that uh, you got to know when to remove teams. And I've removed, uh, <laughs> I've removed a lot of friends over the last 12 years in our league. And it's never personal, of course. It's just sometimes you can tell this guy doesn't care or this guy's making fishy trades. Like, we've never had anybody cheat or anything in our league. But I think sometimes we've had some trades where you can tell the one team just doesn't care, right? Like, sure. Like, yeah, here's, you know, I don't know. Here's. Well, I feel like you remember that with fantasy basketball a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Back back when you used to do that one. Well, I think there was some more. Uh, what's, what's the word? I think there was some more illegal activity going on <laughs> in fantasy basketball times where like there was actual collusion among teams where, where we have not had that in fantasy no. football. But I think sometimes you might get, we've had teams that maybe just didn't care as much and be like, okay, I'll accept any trade. Whatever. Like that. So, you sent me a so, trade offer. Sure. I'll yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and that you want to avoid, um, one of the most important things I learned too is that quality is more important than quantity in terms yes. of how many teams you have. So we start, we've been all over the place. We started with 10 teams. We went down to eight teams. We went up to 12 teams. And that was my favorite. Like I thought I we were the best when we were 12. And now we're back down to 10. And when we dropped down to 10, I remember I, I was disappointed we weren't 12 anymore. And I just kind of remember wanting to get back to 12 and and trying to think of new guys who we could add. But that's kind of when I realized that it's better for the league to have the right players uh, versus a bigger league where you're just filling in spots, right? Sure. Like, You'd rather have okay. 10 than have 10 yeah. competing in the bottom two. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or even eight. Like I, cause this happened, sure. I think last year, I think we, I want to say we lost somebody and was on the verge of losing another and we were almost going to go down to eight, but like, I'd rather have eight with full competition than 12 with eight competing. Right. So I agree. I think that's important. Even if you've been a 10 team league for 10 years, like I think, and like, let's say you've got a guy who you want to kick out and a guy who's quitting. I think it's better for your league to go down to eight than it is just fill in those two spots to go to 10 because like I said, the worst thing to me is I'm in a playoff race with Katka, and we've got two weeks to go. We have the same record. I have to play Mateo and John, and Katka gets to play some guy who gave up two months ago, and it's a free win. Like, that's not right, yeah. you know, because, like, when – let's just call this guy, you know, Galactus, okay? You know, hey, <laughs> when <laughs> – when Galactus played me in week two, he blew me out. <laughs> but now he's playing Katka in week 11, and he stopped setting the slide. So Katka gets a free win. Like, yeah. that's the kind of stuff that kills leagues. Um, and I've been in plenty of leagues where that's happened, right? So you want to avoid that. So quality is definitely more important than quantity. If you were 12, you got to go down to eight. That's fine. Your league will be better with eight teams and 100% participation. I completely agree. Um, when it comes to like, yeah, disputes, having to make those, you know, those decisions, you know. Yes. Um, I guess like, how do you go about those types? Like, what kind of is? I'm trying to think of. I mean, I don't know. I just want to give like an example. I don't really have anything on top of my head that we've had to deal yeah, with. Yeah, sure. But you know, you know the types of things. You know, okay. you, you see a trade that 
looks not great, right? Someone yeah. traded Aaron Rodgers for Russell Gage, and you're like, well, okay. You know, yeah. so what do you do? I, I, yeah, okay, so I do have the power to uh, to veto a trade by myself. I've never used it. I don't plan on using it. Uh, so I instead, as an alternative, I try to make sure teams are aware of the trades. Um, so like I'm, I'm very active in texting out saying, Hey, a trade is up. Please vote. Like, I won't say how I feel in the text. I'll just say, please vote. Right. But I think um, just not to cut you off there, but I think yeah. doing that consistently is a key because if you're only doing that for select trades, it's going to come across like, Hey guys, make sure you vote on this trade. Wink, <laughs> wink. Because I don't like it. Yeah. Cause I didn't yeah. like it. Versus if you only do that, if you only do it every once in a while, then it does send that message of yeah. veto this versus if you send it for every single trade, then there is no, uh, you know, context clues there. Cause you're doing it for every trade. And I think that's very yeah. important because I've been in leagues where you get a text from a, one of the other owners because they didn't like the trade and they go, Hey, you know, they're not telling you to veto. They're just telling you, Hey, make sure you see this trade winky emoji. Yeah. You know? Okay. Well, and, and I've been guilty of not, texting about every trade sure but, but uh, in your league it's enough of them though i think it, where it, you do a good job with it. it's and like i say it's important too that you know you don't want to show your hand right you don't want to say because that's you know you don't want to influence a, the vote yeah yeah so it's like i i just i make sure to say just check out the trade you know just please vote right yep. stuff like that and I mean, I've, I'm the type of owner too that I don't make a lot of trades. I, I don't, I'm just, I, I maybe make one a year usually. So sometimes trades come through that I'm like shaking my head at, but you know, it's, we have, our, we have a set in our league where 10 teams and if five of them vote to veto, it's vetoed. And I'm in some leagues where I don't even know if there is a veto option. And I think that's wrong. There definitely should be a veto option. And the, the competitor should know they have the power to vote to veto because we haven't had the problem in our league, but I've been oh, in I've been leagues yeah. and seen ridiculous enough trades where it's like, this is, I was in a league last year where I was like eight, I was like seven and oh, and I was the best team in the league and some fishy action was going on. And um, it was, and of course it was between a guy and another guy, but I'm explaining this poorly, but the two guys who are trading, they were the only two people they like the, the guy who knew was, each other. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to sure. say. I'm sorry. He, the guy who was giving away players, he only knew the guy who he was giving the players to. Right. Sure. So like, it was completely questionable. And like, I wanted to quit the league because of it. Right. Cause yeah. I'm like, I'm over here grinding week in and week out on these lineups. Yeah. And I don't know this guy. And I wouldn't do that anyway. And all of a sudden it was like, I don't know Calvin Ridley for Russell I Gage. Know what it was, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's just let's just crap on Russell Gage for every example it was, of a bad player getting traded away. <laughs> it was ridiculous, and and that will kill the integrity of the league. So so you don't want to do that. Um, another thing too is finding a comfort zone for the league fee. I think that's yeah. important too. You don't want it to be yeah. too high, but you don't want it to be too low. We've got we've probably got a couple guys in our league, maybe a couple that like. Having the league fee in there, I think, promotes the competition of it. Um, whereas if it was free, they might not be as into it, right? Sure. 
but then you don't want to make it too high where you're losing people. So right. like we, we were doing 50 for a while and I think that was fine. I think 50 was fine. Last year we dropped to 20 because of the COVID situation. Um, and then I kind of felt like we were in danger of maybe losing at least one person if we went back to 50. So now we're at 30, but I think 30 is a good neutral price to where it's enough to keep everyone interested for the, for the season. And, well, and each league is going to be different on that. You know, you know, your yeah. people, if you're yeah. rich and you play exactly. a bunch of rich guys, then you can probably go a little bit higher. We are yeah. average guys. We are average dudes with average incomes. We can't go very high with that kind yeah, of stuff. So, you know? Yeah. So that that's important because you don't want to lose people because of it. But I think it also is important to have a nice prize fund yes. because not everybody the has this. Yeah. Not everybody has the same uh, intrinsic Drive. motivation sure. to succeed just to succeed with football, right? They may have been playing other things in life, but in terms of fancy football, they may not care as much as, you know, guys doing a full 16 round mock draft, right? <laughs> or doing a podcast in yeah. June, you know? Yeah. And that's fine. And that's yeah, fine. So for those fine. guys saying, Hey, if you win the league, it's a $200 prize. If that causes them to be motivated to play the whole season better then then that's great. You know? Um, so you, you got to find the comfort zone. And like you said, you got to know your guys. For yes. some people, leaves, you might be able to do $100 a person. That might be fine, right? But for others, you might do 20 But, yeah, you just want to find a comfort zone that, that makes everyone happy. Are you ready to move on to the uh, the news and notes? Sure. And we're going to play a game here called right. Does This Matter? I'm going to tell you a thing <laughs> that I've seen on Twitter recently, and you are going to tell me if you care about this thing for the purposes of fantasy football in June. This yeah. is kind of the time of year where we see a lot of coach speak. And yeah, I think oh, yeah. <laughs> I, everything I've got listed here are coach speak type things. Um, yeah. I didn't include things like Aaron Rodgers not showing up to train camp. Sure. Or, or st- David Bakhtiari saying he would be idiotic to not want Rodgers back. Like that was yes. a headline I saw that was um, shocking. Stefan Gilmore also did not report. He's in the last year of his contract. That yeah. one's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one's almost more interesting than Rodgers because I think there's actually a chance of him getting moved uh, more so than oh, yeah, I think I think a much higher chance. Yeah, yes, I agree. So let's stick with the Go green ahead. guy there. And Jordan Love is, quote, 100 percent ready for week one. And the reports out of training camp two days ago were that he was pretty awful and missing every throw. And he was pretty much only hitting check downs and wheel routes. But then yesterday, the reports were great. That hey. Jordan Love was just killing it. And at oh, one point, right. one of the assistant coaches ran out there and started like fanning him because he was I heard on that. fire. I heard that. So uh Nathan, do you care at all about how great and amazing or how terrible and awful Jordan Love is? And does that affect the Aaron Rodgers situation? I really know. Um, it sounds mean, but I don't care <laughs> about this. Because I think the Aaron Rodgers situation will be taken care of and he will be starting quarterback week one. Uh, It is interesting to note, though, that Jordan Love is getting able to is being able to develop now because last year was complete red shirt. Right. I mean, like last year was complete. You're just going to basically observe and, you know, all those first team reps are going to Rodgers where now he's getting the first team reps. So for the future of Jordan Love, I think this is nice for him, but I don't think it's going to matter this year. Okay. Uh, and I, I totally agree. I don't think it's going to matter. Like, yeah, the fact that he had a good practice 
you're going to see these reports all over the entire Yeah, and summer. the fact that he had a really bad one and a really good one, that sounds exactly yeah. like what he was drafted as. He was drafted as a project. Yeah. He was not drafted as Trevor Lawrence this year, right? This was no, he was he was a borderline round one quarterback who is going to be a project but has high potential. And yeah, hearing a report of he had an awful day followed by a great day, that sounds about right. So <laughs> question number two or topic number two, I guess. Kyler Murray wants to run less this season. He does not want to rely on his legs. He wants his legs to be a secondary option. For fantasy, I think this one matters. He had 11 rushing touchdowns last year and 819 yards. I think this one, if that plays out, that's very important. But Lamar Jackson has said many, many times he wants to run less too. So does this matter? Minimally, I'm going to say. It reminds me, though, of Russell Wilson early in his career because Russell started his career running often. Not okay, not often. I'm sorry, but no, running it was a, a good amount. Well, especially considering that era, you know, pre Lamar kind of, you yes. know, yes, yes, uh, true. That's a know, good point. I mean, RG3, you had him running a ton, but yeah, Russell's among the league leaders among quarterbacks in rushing. Yes, it's also, also one uh, year when Cam was. Yeah, true, true. You know, and then, so, like, one year, Russell just, like, stopped running like that. And it yeah. was an entirely different strategy of running. So that makes me think of this because I've really been impressed with Kyler as a passer. Uh, that was kind of something that I kind of questioned when he was coming into the league. And he has very much impressed me as a passer. And now you add A.J. Green, right? So, I mean, you already got Dre Hop. You got A.J. Green. You yeah, know, Rondale Christian. Moore. I think I think Rondale Moore is a bigger deal okay. than AJ Green. Well, AJ can give you some nice he, possession catches. He can replace Larry Fitzgerald. Still, you already had AJ Green. I think he can give you more than Fitz did the last couple of years. I think last I think year more. Larry might have been better. Oh well, well in terms of. Ah, uh, okay. If you look at their numbers from last year, sure. But like I'm saying, Ooh, I'm not. saying AJ. I'm saying AJ this year versus Larry last year. Not AJ with the Bengals offense without Burrow last year. I'm talking about AJ oh, in this offense. AJ was pretty awful. Okay, he was surprisingly actually somehow better than Larry. Well, no, only I'm not by, talking about last year. Yards. Yeah, I'm not even concerned about that though. I, I'm, I mean, because I mean, after Burrow got hurt, I mean that was a circus at quarterback. So like, I'm not really concerned about that. I think in this situation with DeAndre Hopkins and that style of offense, with how the quick passes and how often they pass, I think he can have a bigger impact this upcoming season than Larry's had the last two. Because how old is age? Well, he's Julio's age, right? Well, he's actually just a year old. I just look. He has age oh, two season last year, so okay, he's a year okay. older, so, and I he's mean, had some significant injuries here lately. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying AJ's you know going to go for you know 1,210 touchdowns, but I'm not sure he's going to get half of either of those. You know, <laughs> just, 605 sounds about right to me. I, I just i i i guess what I'm saying is like it's a nice. Yeah, you're right. It's that's too, that's too much. AJ Green. Let's focus on Kyler. Kyler is what matters. <laughs> Kyler is my art. My well, I was getting, no one cares about AJ Green. So yeah, but Kyler I was Murray. getting into that about Kyler throwing also, but I see now, I see what you're saying. About you AJ went way AJ. too far on AJ Green. Yeah. Well, I like, I like AJ Green. You used to too. All right. I used to too. Then he, then he broke down, got old, and now he's just Larry Fitzgerald. And that's fine. <laughs> they did. They, they did bring in AJ Green, which they replaced yeah. for Larry Fitzgerald from a role standpoint, whether he's better or not. He's, from a role standpoint, that's what he's saying. Yes, okay. Yes. You still have Christian Kirk. You still have Dre Hop. They drafted Rondell Moore. So now you've got four wide receivers that, you know, 
Christian Kirk probably slots in as just kind of a deep threat only kind of guy now, right? But, you know, they, so he spent capital on the wide receiver position. Kyler says he wants to run less. Um, now, at running back, you know, they brought in James Conner, which is the same as bringing back Kenyon Drake, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. not like he really upgraded or downgraded at running back, I think. No, it's, it's the same. It's the same. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, the defense is a little bit better. And yeah, I like. The, I think I like least, the Cardinals. I do too. I love what Arizona's. Doing. I'm, re- I'm loving this. Yeah. My one problem with this potentially from Kyler's side is last year he had 3,900 uh, passing yards, 26 touchdowns. Without the rushing being elite, those numbers have to take a pretty good spike in order to be in the Lamar, Josh Allen, Dak, Mahomes conversation. Right, in order to be among those guys, the rushing has to be there. If that yeah, rushing well, goes away, I mean, because Josh Allen, I don't necessarily think the rushing is going away on Josh Allen at this point, right? I don't think so either. It, like, I do, I was really thinking like, going into last year, the touchdowns were going to come down. They didn't. I think I was proven totally wrong. I mean, I one. could see the attempts and yards going down, but I think in the red zone, yeah. he's still, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of Cam in his prime. In the Agreed. Zone, right. And, but he's not taking the beating Cam was either. Because Cam was all over the field, where right. I think Josh Allen is running less between the twenties. Um, but, but I for think Kyler those, with the eleven t- rushing touchdowns last yeah, year, yeah, and a ton of yards. I would say almost eight, it, was, it was a little yards. over eight hundred. Yeah, it was like eight six. A little over eight hundred. Yeah. So I, I guess it is a factor, but I think he's he is so electric running the ball, yeah. and like you mentioned, Lamar said this too, and right. he followed a thousand yard season with a thousand yard season. <laughs> I think it sounds nice. It's a it, it, the concept sounds nice, but I think he is such an electric runner that it's still going to happen. So I'm I not agree. too I'm not too concerned with it. Uh, let's pivot from quarterback to wide receivers. Nathan, do you care that Jarvis Landry says Odell Beckham <laughs> looks quote amazing? No, no, I don't. Me neither. Not even a little bit. <laughs> well, and, hey, I am confident that Odell is having a great rehab, and I'm confident that he's doing everything he can to get back to 100. percent but the fact that his best friend says he looks amazing, I, that doesn't really – I don't care what Jarvis Landry has to say about that. So uh, Byron doesn't Pringle. change my opinion. Byron Pringle is the most targeted wide receiver at Chiefs minicamp. Mini do you care? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do not. No offense to Byron Pringle, Pringle but no, I, I don't care. Um, I care I, for this purpose. Okay. That's not Nicole Hardman. Yeah, and or Demarcus Robinson. Or Robinson. Um, you know, like to me, I I still think Demarcus Robinson is to me clearly ahead of Pringle. Uh and but like you know, if you had Sammy Watkins the last couple of years, it was not good and fancy. Like and he was the two. Like Sammy Watkins right. was the clear number two, and it was not good uh, um, returns in fantasy football with Sammy Watkins. It's the Travis Kelsey show. It's a Tyree Kill show, and then every once in a while, somebody else is getting some deep balls. Yeah, I I don't put any stock into this environment. I, I, I completely no, I'm not putting stock into Pringle. I think I'm taking stock out of Nicole. Like that's where okay. I care about it. Okay. I don't care. I don't care, care about, about Pringle. Pringle. I care about the fact that it's not Nicole. Yeah, I guess like I've yet to get on Nicole. Like Nicole kind of makes me feel like that John Ross. Henry Ruggs type so far, sure. where they're just really fast and they're not getting a lot, a lot of opportunities. 
So unless they have one catch or one rush for 50 yards and a touchdown, they're giving you like 1.6 points. That's pretty much about right. Uh, <laughs> let's go to LaVisca Chenault. Now, this is a double one here. Yeah. LaVisca Chenault is buzzing the coaches. And DJ Chark was challenged to gain some muscle, and he came back big, fast, and strong. Yeah. Do you care? Yes, I you do, do care. care I care about both, both of them. Both. Both okay. of them. Uh, so – I'm, this is, you know, the Trevor Lawrence, you know, injection into this offense excites me. I like the talent around him. LaVisca Chenault, I remember last year heading into the NFL draft, he was that offensive weapon type out of Colorado. You can do a lot of things with him. Uh, and, you know, even last year in a completely lost season for the Jaguars, like he was still very active. He was, you know, like he was a guy, he was on your bench. Like you maybe didn't play him. But he was very active in the offense. Like, you could tell they wanted to get him the ball, at least in some capacity. There are so many fantasy riders who absolutely loved him. Going into yeah. last year, they still love him now. I, I do. I and, and Yeah, and I just think adding a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence could really open things up for him. I've liked DJ Chark for the last two seasons. And the fact that now he's big, fast, strong, like, yeah. <laughs> so I think DJ Chark is – clear number one and i think he's a guy that you are gonna see go in the mid um like the mid rounds like or maybe seven eight i don't know kind six, of range yeah six seven eight yeah. i think this is a guy that could emerge as like a top 15 receiver kind of um, reminds me of like alan robinson's breakup year i think i drafted him in like round eight sure. ended up being the top 10 receiver now maybe not he was like number six that year. I'm not maybe saying that high, but I like DJ Chark a lot. So I like both of them. I don't really care about this part of things for it because there's some coaches that I've found will just always be saying positive things. Oh, yeah. Because, but like going way over the top on it at all times. Like Pete Carroll is like the, the one. Yeah, that's a good where one. Where Pete yeah. Carroll, every <laughs> player is in the best shape of their life. Every player is having an outstanding mini camp. Like even Rashad Penny is playing great out there. Yeah. Is he Pete? Is he so? <laughs> I think Urban Meyer. I'm kind of starting to put him in that box a little bit, where it's like, I don't really care what Urban Meyer says. But like, <laughs> you know, Bruce Arians is the opposite, right? Where Bruce Arians, he'll crap on his players. Yeah, when Bruce probably. Arians says something good about a player, but I'll kind of take some note of it because Bruce Arians doesn't just hand out the compliments. So I don't really care about it. I kind of. Yeah, I, I like them both, but I don't really care about this. I do. I, I like them. I think the excitement is real because I think Trevor Lawrence. Oh, the I think excitement can be real, really... but I don't care about this report. Well, I I think the report like kind of uh, it it makes me feel better about the sure, excitement. Yeah, it. like you said, it's June. We're excited about a lot of guys. Right. I'm excited about you know. Uh, I'm excited yeah, about Denzel Mims. Denzel sure. Mims I'm excited about, right? But if there's, the if there's a good that, report on Denzel Mims, I'm going to get real excited. <laughs> but, no, I like LaVisca Chanel. Last year, I've been a chart guy for two years, and I was excited with, you know, like I said, I've been thinking about with Trevor Lawrence and, and just seeing how sometimes you'll have good talent on a bad offense, and then the franchise quarterback comes in, and you see that everybody raises up. Sure. I think that could definitely happen. So, yeah, just seeing this report makes me feel better about you yeah like you what did you say not reaffirm you said solidify solidify the excitement heading into training camp here in a couple months so yes i like these two guys a lot the uh the next one is irv smith 
will not see a bigger role, according to Mike Zimmer. Of course, this comes in the fallout of Kyle Rudolph leaving to go to the New York Giants. And Nathan, I have a fun little under the radar. This player doesn't matter, but he could actually matter to Irv Smith. Um, Tyler Conklin, the tight end for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, From week 12 to week 17, here are his snap rates. Uh, 67%, 65%, 58, 66, 86, and 70. Over the last four games, he had five, four, six, and six targets. Um, it sounds like Conklin is just going to kind of play the Kyle Rudolph role almost, which, you know, modern day Kyle Rudolph, not prime Kyle Rudolph, but the yeah. kind of blocking tight end. He's kind of just on the field whenever they, you know, often. And so that's not going to lead to a bigger role for Irv Smith. This is something I'm concerned about because, you know, looking at that last year's snap count, I can sort of buy it. Like when Rudolph didn't play, Irv Smith didn't see that much bigger of a role. So if Kyle Rudolph is no longer with the team, he isn't. I guess nothing has changed. And that made me really sad as an Irv Smith believer. You are, and we differ on Irv Smith. So to me, this report doesn't really matter because I've been lower on Irv Smith than, than you've been. I have him at 15. And the reason why is that like the last couple of years watching Kyle Rudolph, and like you said, he's not as good as he was in his prime, but Kyle Rudolph's had a very nice career as a pretty much every down tight end, right? Really good blocker, reliable pass catcher. And he has barely been used in this system they've been running the last couple of years, really since they've started featuring Dalvin well, as Diggs. the engine. Like, I don't know. Once once Diggs emerged, did, did uh, Rudolph have a big year? Oh, it Probably was just not. like, I mean, there were games where, like, you, it was like he was barely seeing any targets a game. And this is a former Pro Bowl tight end. Yeah. So I'm not surprised if that similar thing happens to Irv Smith. Now, he's he's exciting. He reminds me of O.J. Howard, Roll Tide. I get it. But just knowing how they run their offense, and not to mention you already got two really good receivers there too, I just don't see there being enough work to be able to rely on Irv Smith very often. He sounds like the perfect tight end that I would draft in round nine and regret it week two. No, not round nine. A little bit later, but let's move on. Let's try to hurry up a little bit here. Uh, Houston plans to, quote, establish the run. Do you care? Sounds good. Yep. (laughs) I don't care one bit. I want nothing to do with these running backs, with or without Deshaun Watson. I don't want anything to do with these running backs. I think this is going to be the worst team in football with a bad defense, which will be losing a lot. Um, And that does not promote good things for the running backs often. Quick note, you could say, hey, James Robinson season, they were the worst team in football last year. He was really good. But he was the guy. Uh, now you got David Johnson at almost 30, Philip Lindsay, Rex Burkhead did just signed a couple weeks ago. Mark Ingram is there at the moment. No, thank you. The only way I care about this is if Tyrod is quarterback and if establishing Tyrod's rushing, rushing that could make him a top – 20 quarterback like a bi-week fill-in that you can use if Tyrod's running a little bit that's the only way I care about it he may play he may be the the guy for the season like that is a possibility yeah so that would be the only scenario where I care about it but whatever let's move on this one these next two acts I'd say these next three I think are massive yeah these are good Uh, well the next two not 
expected to play more on third downs. He will share the third down role with Samaje Pirine. I mean, I think a lot of us were very excited about the possibility of Joe Mixon just being the monster of the backfield and have it fine. Like, I feel like Joe Mixon is the most, like, is, I want to say the most disappointing player every year, but I feel like every year Joe Mixon gets drafted by somebody that's like, he's got top five potential. He never hits it, but he's always fine. Like, he's not going to yeah. kill you. You know, he got hurt last year, but, you know, who didn't? You know, so – I think that that's concerning. It's a Maje P Ryan, but you know, like we say a lot, very few running backs down the field all the time. So maybe P yeah. Ryan still is a downgrade from geo and can lead to a lot of mixing touches still. Yeah. So I'm it's a fun fact. Mixon and P Ryan were together at Oklahoma too. Oh, fun. And they, they were drafted the same year, I, 2017. I, I so, can't believe Samaj P. Ryan is still in the NFL. <laughs> I, good for him, man. Like, you know, they, so and that's fun. They were together in college. They're yep. together again. That I'm not works. really oh, – oh, could you imagine nice. if a quarterback and receiver did that? <laughs> like um, Mason Rudolph and James Washington. I, oh, I, I, it's, it's, I, I can't even imagine the numbers. But I'm almost not buying it as much, to be okay. honest. I almost think it's kind of a bluff. I think Mixon is is the far better back. And if he's well, no one's healthy, questioning that part. Well, yeah, but like <laughs> I think that I yeah, you're right. But I just it's think the that usage. That's the if he gets going, you're not pulling him out for Samaj P. Ryan. That I think that, that as is... often as they're talking about. Okay. I like I like, like the sound of that. Looking at this report, it's like, oh shoot. All the passing down work gone. You know, yeah. I I think that's a bluff. I'm not buying that. I um this sounds like the type of report that I read and incorrectly doubt and then yeah. drop Mixon from and then also Mixon ends up being fine. I'm like, oh, if I just would listen to myself, it would have been fine. So I think he's the clear number one. If he gets going, I just don't see him coming out very often for Samaj P. Ryan. So it doesn't bother me very much. The Philadelphia coaching staff does not see Miles Sanders as a feature back, and they don't believe in feature backs. Oh, God, Miles Sanders. This guy gives I, me so much heartburn. This does bother me. Me too. This, this does. Me and too. Why, why, why are things always going wrong for Miles Sanders' <laughs> stock? Like, even at Penn State, he was behind Saquon Barkley, right? <laughs> Like even in college, he's in the shadow of the, the probably the highest um, height Rated. running yeah. back of the last decade. Yeah, he went number two overall. So like even in college, he's behind Saquon. He gets to the NFL, he had a nice little rookie year, and then year two, you're the guy. Here we go. You and me, we were we were oh, front was row for the Miles Sanders season. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, what happens? Well, the offensive line has major injuries. Then he gets a hamstring injury in training camp, I think it was. Yeah. Right? Okay. There was no preseason game, so yeah. Yeah, you're right. So he gets injured. The O-line has injuries. The quarterback situation was horrible. You don't have many weapons. You bring in Jordan Howard. He, you know, just to make you think, like, what does this mean? Well, then the offseason comes. Now you're bringing Kerryon Johnson. And now it's June, and now the coaches say, oh, we don't really believe in feature backs. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Just like the compilation of all these things. like It's always something. There's always something going on. Yeah. I've dropped like, him down to 15. He's still ahead of Chris Carson and J.K. Dobbins. 
I don't know. Well, and I, I and you and me, you and me really like the talent too. Yeah, that's what I, makes it so hard. Is that right. like because I was a Miles watching, Sanders believer last year. Yeah, and and I liked him a lot, but you really converted me into really like a, a hype guy. Like you made like you were the hype guy to me. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And we were going to take him late round last year. And yeah, I had him at 12 in May, but I just don't feel great about it. Like he's the kind of guy that I think no matter where I have him ranked on draft day, I'm going to end up passing on him just because Yeah, you're going to see a wide receiver. You're going to see yeah. one, maybe one of the tight ends. You're going to say, let me take that guy instead. Kind yeah. Of. Like no, even if I keep him at 14, right? Like if, yeah. if, if, if it's round three and he is the next running back on my list, I just think I'm going to pass on there. There's just, everything seems to go wrong at some point. And I don't get it. He's really good. He's young. He's a good pass catcher. Like it's unfortunate, uh, <laughs> but it does the, concern me. On to the next one. Our last of the news and notes bit here. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to add one at the end. If you oh, okay. Mind. So second last, a quick second, one. Last, second last. last. Uh, does this matter? Mm-hmm. And God, I hope it doesn't. Todd Gurley visits the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> and accompanying this Greg Roman sees a quote running group by committee. Oh, that's what I, you want to hear. Well, <laughs> and if, it's, if, if he's referring to Lamar and Dobbins and Gus, fine. Like I think all of us expect that, right? We expect sure. Dobbins to be getting about 14 carries probably, you know, and with the Ravens offense, you expect that means five yards of carry and you expect, a good amount of touchdowns. I mean, Mark Ingram did that. it just two years ago. Look how exactly. good Mark Ingram was, and that was just two years ago. Again, Gus played a lot that year too. They can all be good. You know, I think Gus is like a really nice back end of the draft pick. But if they also go out and add Todd Gurley, and now Gurley, the one thing Gurley can still do, I think it's find the end zone. Yeah. And if those Always touchdowns go away from Dobbins and go to Todd freaking Gurley. Also, by the way, <laughs> as a Baltimore Ravens fan here, Go sign Melvin Ingram instead. Go sign Justin Houston oh, instead. Yeah, Do absolutely. not be using your cap space on Todd Gurley right now. Like, yeah, this this is weird to me because it does not feel like the type of move Baltimore would make. Like, this ooh. is not a Ravens move to me. I think it is. Like this, really? Uh, well, this money I, on a running back. Well, I, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a minimum contract. It's not gonna yeah, be any okay, money at all. Yeah. Nobody's just, nobody's paying Todd Gurley at this point. That's why he's still out there. Yeah, that's why Atlanta that's, said we're gonna we'll take Mike Davis, the guy who you know that's a good point. So nobody's paying point. Todd Gurley. This is a very Ravens move, I think, because it's a veteran that nobody wants on the scrap heap. And we, you know, the Ravens have always targeted wide receiver, I feel like, with that sort of uh, move. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean Des Jeremy Ryan, Macklin, yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael Crabtree, like just I mean, Dez last year, Dez. right? Yeah, Dez. Yeah. So, like the Ravens always targeted wide receiver with these types of players. Um, but if they do it at running back with Gurley, that's going to make me fair. Well, but at the same yeah, time, just, he's not good, you know, like. Well, that's the thing. I, I guess this doesn't really bother me. I don't see it happening. And even if it does, like this Gurley, he was getting beat out for work wow. by Brian Hill right. last year, right? So, like, I, we're both big on J.K. Dobbins. So, I think J.K. Dobbins' season is on with or without Gurley. Um, I just don't see it happening. I don't know. It just doesn't feel right to me. I don't see this happening. I think it could be a situation kind of like Devonta Freeman last year where he did not sign. And then Saquon Barkley tears his ACL and he signs with the Giants week three or four. I think that's Adrian Adrian Peterson. Well, 
<laughs> or Devonta Freeman, for that matter. Maybe, but I think he's in that territory yeah. where it's going to be like at least training camp. But 2016 running team, backs are so loaded on free agency right now. Oh, man. <laughs> Le'Veon mean, Bell is still out there. He said he'd retire rather than play for Andy Reid. <laughs> Uh, what what is your bonus nugget? Well, that was it. It was Le'Veon Bell. It was Le'Veon Bell's. Um, that mattered so yeah, was, little. I didn't even include it. I know, right? But still, <laughs> it's just hey, it came to my phone as a notification. So somebody thought it was interesting enough to send it as a push notification. Fair enough. I just it makes me sad. Is what I wanted to say. Just like this is a guy who I think was the best running back in football for about two years right after Adrian Peterson and right before Todd Gurley. I think it was Le'Veon Bell. And oh, wow, Zeke. Zeke how bad. Yeah, yeah, probably was. yeah. Bell much. was probably better. Than- but I think right before Zeke too, because wasn't Zeke yeah. a rookie in 16? Because I'm talking like yes. 14, 15. Yeah, you're right, you're I'm right. I'm talking like 14, well, 15. See, Zeke comes across as so old these days. I just assume he's been oh, yeah. in the league since like 2012. <laughs> but, but, but regardless, but he was yeah. like, he, he was in the conversation at least. Yeah. And then he goes to war with the Steelers, yeah. sits out a year. And this is a guy that was playing like a Hall of Famer for a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And just go, it's done. Like, you know, Jets was a nightmare. And then he mouths off to them and leaves, goes to the Chiefs. He's a healthy scratch for the Super Bowl. Now he's mouthing off to Andy Reid. Like, it just makes me sad to see it. Such a, such a good player have his career um, go downhill so quickly like this. I just wanted to say. Uh, we don't need to go into it all, but just give me a quick answer. If you're yeah. a contender and your number one running back tours ACL today, who are you signing out of Devonta Freeman, Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, and Le'Veon Bell? This sounds weird, but give me Adrian Peterson. I agree. Yeah, I mean, Le'Veon is is a is a PR problem. And to and his efficiency has not been good no. since he left Pittsburgh. And he, like I said, he keeps he's a problem where he he's mouthing off on Twitter or Instagram. I, like, I would get I would give Gurley a workout and yeah. see if Gurley looks good. Yeah, but considering yeah, he, but, he already had two and didn't sign with either, I think he probably yeah, and, didn't look very good. And honestly, considering what I've seen the last two seasons, I, Adrian Pearson's looked the best out of those yeah, guys. Of all those guys, <laughs> which is amazing considering his age, but like in terms of a guy that's still running hard and like actually giving you production for what you're asking, right? You're not going to give him 20 carries a game, but for what you're asking from him. Yeah. Let's roll with Adrian Pearson. Maybe we'll sign Frank Gore in a couple of years, but you know, for this year, give me Adrian Pearson. All right, let's move on. I was hoping that the news and notes would go a little faster than they did. We're well, almost at two hours. Too. Um, let's do the players we're higher on and lower on than everybody else. And okay. I think this one weirdly should be the one we went longest on, but I think we're going to try to keep this <laughs> somewhat know. brief. Julio got us. Julio did get us pretty good. But so I mean, let's it's, start. It's rare. Let's okay. start a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, what quarterback do you find yourself higher on than everybody else? And just give a <laughs> well, brief synopsis as to why. Sure. So this is my first appearance here on the ADP, but Mateo knows how I feel about this guy. So my guy is Carson Wentz. I knew it would be. Okay. There's no question and in my mind. I, now, you know, let's take this with a grain of salt. So Carson Wentz is my 19th quarterback. 19th. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I was comparing. I, I was comparing him to ESPN's top 25. He's not in the top 25. He is not even in there. 
So, okay, I get it, right? Carson wins his overseason. I get it. It's been going on for a while here. But, like, I, he's, a, he's at least worth a shot, I think, late. I think we've seen enough good things from Carson Wentz in his career. Just two years ago, 2019, he finished QB 10, 27 touchdowns and seven picks, right? Last year was a disaster. I get it. Like it, it, was, it was bad. He had a lot of bad things going on, injuries, weapons weren't great. And he played bad. Like, I, I watched it. He did not play good. But there was a lot of things that went into that. And now you go to Indy, maybe the best offensive line in football, a good run game, better weapons. I only have him at 19, right? Like, this isn't a guy who I have at eight. To not see him in the top 25 on ESPN, I thought that was surprising. So, yeah, I guess I'm the high guy at 19 on him. I'll um, him but 20. as you know, okay, yeah. we're one apart. But we're that's apart. better than not ranked. Right. Um, I did do a comparison not too long ago on him and Philip Rivers, how basically if you take what uh, what Carson Wentz did in his, was it two years, I think? In, so there's turnover machine last year, and there was yeah, MVP a, yeah. a few years ago, right? If you remove those years and you take his averages of the other years, it looks very identical to what uh, Philip Rivers did just last year. And I think that's kind of what I'm expecting. And that was QB 19 in four-point passing touchdown leagues. So, yeah, yes. I think QB 19, and you hope for some upside, right? I think you yeah, have put him around Kirk, you know, maybe Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan, you know, if Jameis has the job. I think yeah, those are kind it, of the guys I'm putting him with. Like, I just I, – actually, like I said, I'm at 19. This isn't 10, no. right? So, like, I just think he's a guy that he, you're not drafting as your QB one. But I think – Apparently, maybe not even in the draft. So maybe after the draft, I think he's a guy that you can acquire, whether you take a late pick on him or pick him up. And I think if things go really well, he could be a borderline starting QB for you, or at least a guy who you rotate with another guy. I was surprised to not see, I was surprised and insulted to not see him ranked. (laughs) Uh, For me, the one I'm higher on than everybody else now is Ryan Tannehill. Wow. I know. I've got my QB seven, and I was surprised. That I was kind of the high guy. I looked around. I looked on Fantasy Pros. I looked at ESPN. I looked at CBS. And one of the CBS guys also had him at seven. Everyone else had him pretty much like 10, 11. I have him at 10. I have him at 10. And you know what? Last year, he was QB seven. So why can't he do that again? Yeah, you lost John New Smith. You lost Corey Davis. You added Julio Jones. I think he can replicate QB seven. I Um, think so, too. And – also, like we talked about this with Josh Allen, we're like the rushing is here to stay. We think yeah. Hill's always had he doesn't run a lot, but a little bit of rushing, especially around the end zone. He'll yep. have some nice little plays. The guy played receiver in college, so like he's athletic. We know. Yeah, I think each year he's gonna give you a handful of rushing touchdowns too. I could absolutely see him continue to be a top ten. And for what's worth, he was QB seven last year. Deshaun Watson was one of the ones ahead of him. I think we're all kind of expecting Watson not to. Uh, yeah. be among that yeah. group and you know so the QBs after him I'm a little bit like I think after Tannehill I get a little bit nervous about pretty much everybody to an extent uh Nathan what QB do you find yourself lower on than everybody else yeah this is a difficult one for me because I really like him it's Tua Tua Tagovailoa. Oh, you hate Tua you hate Tua. Uh, apparently I do because every time I talk about him it seems to be negative so yeah, you hate Tua <laughs> I only rank 20 quarterbacks this time of year and he I was not in my top 20. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. I did not do 40. Um, so I did 20. And he was not in that top 20. ESPN had him about 17. 
And if I were to rank him, he'd probably be around 25. And the reason is, is because I still consider him in project phase. I thought last year did not go well for him. I, I watched almost every Dolphin game and I just, I just wasn't impressed. Like the game against Arizona really impressed me. He, they won, they beat the Cardinals. He played great heads up against Kyler, but the rest of the games, it was just very conservative, very held back. And the weapons are interesting, right? Will Fuller, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Parker, but I don't know how well they fit him right now. So this, I think it might still take another year. That's why I'm a little lower on Tua. The thing that I keep on going, I have him at 16, and I think there's upside in Tua. And I get it last year, and I think this year we will know. This is the year for Tua to me. And I think I, to me, the it's thing, next year. See, I disagree because I think that they went out, and like you said, they got Jalen Waddle and they got Will Fuller. That is two Which, guys I yeah. who I agree that they don't fit what Tua did last year. That's what bothers but me. But that too, was last it? year. Yeah, I know. Is it's, what if yeah, they? What, you yeah. know, that was his cousin coming off the hip, and if there's a possibility that coming off a dislocated hip, he just wanted to get the ball out quickly, and maybe he was playing just a little bit scared last year. They went out and made a concerted effort to get deep threats this year. And I think that upside of Tua throwing the ball down the field, I like the guy would have been the first overall pick probably over Burrow if he didn't get hurt. Like, you know, we talked about Trevor. He would have been pretty close there, but he definitely would have been one or two, uh, you know. Um, oh, he was fantastic. So I think fantastic. the upside lives in Tua still. And if that hits and if they made those moves – with the idea of expanding his depth of target every, you know, downfield more. I think that that has the potential to be massive. I think there's a very good, I mean, he's 16 for me, 16 on quarterbacks means, you know, yeah, you're getting drafted pretty late, you know, that's yeah. post round 12 probably. So yeah. you can chop oh, yeah. him pretty quick and go out and pick up Carson Wentz mm -hmm. after week two, if it's not working for you. So I think that there's just that possibility there. So I like to a little bit. Um, and ironically, this leads very well into my QB that I'm lower on. I'm lower on Ryan Fitzpatrick than everybody else. <laughs> uh, I have him at 27. Apparently, I just hate Fitzmagic over this. Uh, Fantasy Pros is him at 20. CBS, all the guys are right around 20. Pretty much all the ESPN guys are right around 20. One's got him at 17. Like, the dude loses his job. And I get it, you can play him until he loses his job. But that week where he gets benched, your QB is not going to do anything for you that week. And I think, too, just like, I don't know. Like, he is old. There's a chance he's not very good anymore. The defense is very good. They should feature Antonio Gibson more. I know they threw a lot last year. I don't know. I just don't – I don't see Fitz being that uh, – like it's it's yeah he's like ranked in like twenty so it's not like you know this is a high end guy I'm hating on or anything and pretty much all the guys yeah. I'm lower on are kind of a, of that cut but uh, I don't know I'm just I'm not interested well, in Fitz I would prefer to go with a guy I'm not either yeah like I prefer to go <laughs> I with, love Fitz with Tua you know an upside young guy as opposed to Fitz oh sure yeah I agree with that yeah I'm, I agree I love Fitz Magic as much as anybody but in terms of building my fantasy team. Yeah, I I really want <laughs> nothing to do with this. Let, let's this year. move on like, then and make that yeah. one quick. Then, uh, who is your running back that you're higher on? 
Yeah, so this is a guy that's taking some hate, I think, and I don't think it's warranted. It's Melvin Gordon to me. That okay. I have at 21, which I think is a nice spot for him. ESPN was – the guys there, their average was about 30. And Javante Williams was 33. I had Maybe I'm missing something with Javante Williams, but I'm not – too, I was not very excited about him heading to the draft. I think he's a project. I'm not saying he can't be eventually, but I think he's a project that could take some time. And I, you and me, we've always been Melvin Gordon guys. Melvin o'clock. Exactly. It happens often. Now, I get it. He scored zero touchdowns his rookie year. So if you're still holding that against him, okay. But ever since, he's found the end zone a lot since. Yeah. Now, he gets dinged up like every year. So yeah. that that is – that is a problem, but when healthy, the guy, the guy produces. And also it's only his second year on this Denver contract. Like they just brought him in, you know, last off season. And Philip Lindsay was the incumbent there. He was a pro bowler. He became the backup and then they shipped him out. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, like, I, they could have kept him. It was a restricted free agent situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So not shipped them out, but like no, they, but, but they, they could have matched though. Like that's how restricted free agency works. They opted to not. Keep yeah. Them. Yeah. And it's only year two. I know Melvin, it feels like everyone just wants to be over with him, but I mean, I think he's 28. I, you know, okay. That's older, but the guy produces, he finished RB 13 last year in standard leagues. And I just don't think Javante Williams is stealing his job at least this year. So I have him at 21. I thought that was a good spot, but apparently I'm the high guy on him. I'm right there. Well, I've got a 24, so I'm a little bit lower than you, but I'm right there in that same RB2 range. I, I don't mind Melv. I think Melv is a, yeah, later yeah, on in the I, year, you know, you may need to figure it out. You know, he might lose that job eventually to Javante Williams. Maybe. I don't know if he I will, don't though. think it's this year, I don't think but Williams, maybe I'm wrong. Well, and not yeah, to mention, no, too, I, Williams was, what, a third-round pick, right? I think second. Was he second round? Okay. But I, yeah, I think he would. Yeah. But I just, it's, I mean, it sounds like he's a relatively new running back. I think he played linebacker. Converted linebacker. And, you know, and I just think he's a, he's kind of a project and sure, maybe he ends up being really good, but Melvin has been good and they signed Melvin to big money just last off season. So I'm not convinced that they're just done with Melvin and this could be Javante Williams week six. Well, and I believe it was only a two-year deal, though. So the, they might be. be done with Melvin after this year, which means they may spend that, that this year be. running him to the ground, which means and a like lot of carries about, for this year. That's great. The You know, the Philip Lindsay thing's a big thing to me because he was yeah. good for them. And he was a local guy, too. He, he was a hometown kid who played well. And they're like, yeah, you know, you can walk. <laughs> and yeah, I, I will gladly take Melvin in like round seven as my RB2 if that's where he's going. Well, I think RB24 is probably be close to like round five, I think, right? Yeah, probably, get yeah five, up. six, probably right. So probably right around that's, there, but I agree with you. But, I'll, I'll take Melvin. But if he's, getting, if he's getting ranked as 30, too, that's though, because like, that's where he was at. So yeah. I just thought it was weird that Javante Williams is only three spots behind him. So that's my guy. Uh, for me, the guy is James Conner. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's which, fine. yeah, I have a 26. I feel like he's the lead guy. It doesn't sound like you. Well, I mean, 26, that's not like I'm putting him in, you know, too high. I have a head of Raheem yeah. Mostert and James Robinson. You know, so there's some guys there. But, I mean, everybody else really seems to be just done with him. Like 35, 35, yeah. 30, 33, Well, 31. I have him at 34 is where I have him. If um, Kyler's but... rushing does go down at all. I think that means that, like, especially the touchdowns, right? 11th rush touchdowns. 
is very tough to replicate for a quarterback. So oh, absolutely. If, if, you know, Kenyon Drake over here gets about four of those, then that's a nice little year for Kenyon Drake, right? James Conner is just Kenyon Drake. He is what he is. And yeah, Chase Edmonds is in there. He'll get the passing work. Yeah, like, he'll Kyler get all the passing work. Kyler doesn't throw to the running backs that much anyway. Most rushing quarterbacks don't. They just take off and run instead. So I think Connor is a guy that, yeah, if he's my RB3, I'm okay with that. Yeah, not the every week starter guy, but if it's a nice yeah, matchup for him I and think, a bad matchup for him. Yeah, Robert exactly. Team, plug him in. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm just kind of indifferent on him. I I, I think I, I had him the last couple years in Pittsburgh. It wasn't good. And I'm, I'm still a little sore on him. But yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, he runs hard. He doesn't really contribute at all in the past game. And no, he doesn't. All those touches are going to Edmonds anyway. So that I think caps it a little bit, but yeah, he's a hard runner and Kenyon Drake finished uh, top 15 last year, I think as the lead runner. Yeah. And I think he will be the lead runner uh, of the running back. So sure. Yeah. There, there's I, I don't see there. any reason why Connor can't replicate what Drake did. Yeah. Uh, oh, who, yeah that's, who are, I, who are I you lower true. on than everybody else? This is this is a, it feels weird to me, but it's David Johnson who apparently Whoa. I am way lower on. You hate David Johnson for so, context here. Nathan loves David Johnson. That is his I son. Do. That has been his I favorite player since 2015. He like he was my favorite player. He was my favorite player in football there for a couple of years. He he where, helped me where, win. He helped me win two championships. In 15 and 16, 2016, he had 2,000 total yards, 20 touchdowns. So this guy was a machine. I have, him at, I have him around 40, and ESPN had him at 28. I I mentioned this earlier with Houston. I just want nothing to do with the running backs there. I had David Johnson last year. I took him in the third round. I shouldn't have. He actually finished about late third-round value, yeah. but it was very touchdown-dependent. Um he didn't look great. The team was terrible. I, I think there's still solid football left in him, but it makes me nervous. Phil Lindsay being there. And like I said, I think this is going to be a bad team. So I just, I, I'm never going to feel good playing him like I was last year. And that was with the Sean. Yeah. And I just, he was on my bench after week five because I never felt good playing him. So yeah, I have him at 40 ESPN had him about, or I had him at like, it was like 43 or 44. That will go up a little, but it'll be around 40. Uh, I've got yeah, a 33 right behind the Bucks guys. Um, yeah. I love I, the guy, but I just, yeah, it, it's it's a well, bad situation. I think Lindsay's the running back that scares me. I don't care about Mark Ingram. I don't care about Rex Burkhead, really. Burkhead sure. sure. can steal some of the catches. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, He's fun. That could happen there. It could get messy. Lindsay you know, bothers me. I, I can see Lindsay me. being the guy because Lindsay's young. He's I don't I think see Lindsay holding up though. Point. Well, I, I, who knows? But like I don't know. It's just I, I love David Johnson, but there's so many things I see that could go wrong. I just, I don't want anything to do with it. I was Fair. there last year, and that was enough. So no, thank you. Fair enough. Mine is Zach Moss. I've got 46. Sure. Uh, I just don't think Zach Moss is a good player. I I think he's slow. But somehow not oh. powerful at running. You don't think you're not thinking plotter, are you? I'm thinking plotter. Zach Moss oh, no. plotter. Uh pretty, I, much, I, I, pretty <laughs> much all the other places have him in like the upper 30s. I guess the lower like 32-ish, 34-ish kind of range. I think he's the number two running back on the team. It's a pretty much a split between him and Singletary, but sure. Josh Allen's gonna take the touchdowns. 
He's not catching any passes. I want nothing to do with Zach Moss. I have him at 42, and I agree. I'm not really interested in either of them. I mean, they so let's move this on. Is a, yeah. Well, I, I will the next put one's a note. interesting. Well, I will put one note, though. I could see Buffalo being a potential landing spot for one of those vets we discussed. Sure. Like a, Adrian like Peterson a wants a ring. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or, or bring Frank Gore back again. You know, but yeah, Adrian Peterson's a great one, right? Like, Peter, this Peterson is like wants a, to go to a contender. This is and, a contender. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or even Gurley. Like, Gurley's a different skill set than those two guys. So, That's like, true. he might be able to give you some helpful touches, maybe. I could see this being a good spot for maybe one of those vets who wants to wait. That's fair, too. In which case, everybody's going to come join me around 46. Uh, what wide <laughs> receiver are you higher on than everybody else? So, receivers, I was pretty much stock with a lot of them. Um, the one who I think I had slightly above was probably Robert Woods. Okay, Bobby the Tree Sticks. There really wasn't anybody – yeah, there wasn't anybody that I had like a big jump above the okay. rest, at least early, now in the later ones. Where, where sure, do you have one? I have the 17. It okay. seems uh, more people are closer to 20, so it's I've not a big 20. gap. Yeah, but I just, uh, you know, this bothered me a couple of months ago, or right after the draft, there was a tweet about oh, the Rams' yes. new look offense. It was the Rams' new look offense, and Robert Woods was not in the picture. And to me, he is the wide receiver one. He's been the wide receiver one. I, and this is a guy that year in and year out produces. He's not a big touchdown guy. He never has been. Probably about six a year. Uh, well, but well, like, with Stafford, that could change. That like, could, if there's never been a time. Yeah. This will be the best quarterback he's had. And I still think he's the number one. So, apparent, I mean, apparently no one else thinks he is. But I think he's still the number one. And will continue to be busy like he has since he got with the Rams. Like, like he has since he arrived with the Rams. Speaking of receivers that will continue to be busy, I've got Michael Thomas at seven. Everyone else seems to hate Michael Thomas. A lot of places have him out to the top ten. Yeah, that's weird to me. I'm surprised to hear that. I all I have him at, I have him at six. So I'm with you. Why? I'm surprised when we've talked about him, you feel lower on him than me. Well, I guess so because we're used to talking about him as top two. That's so true. Six and seven feel way lower. I just think, like, if Jameis is the guy, I think there's potential for more downfield targets. Oh, and if, yeah, and if Hill's the guy, Hill just had googly eyes for him and threw the yeah. ball 30% now, Hill, of the time. That would bother me, though, if Hill would be named but the guy. I think if Hill's the, the guy, season. though, I think Thomas is so overwhelmingly the target, you know, that he can still churn it out. Like, I think Thomas is really good. And look at A.J. Brown, right? In a, you know, in, a, in, a, in a team where Derrick Henry ran the ball 375 times, A.J. Brown was <laughs> still a monster. Yeah, he was great. I think Michael Thomas can still be a monster. Uh, I guess so. I, I mean, uh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, this is on. one we've talked about earlier. And mine's Terry McLaurin, who apparently I hate. <laughs> I had him at 20. And <laughs> – I, I mean, he will probably move up a little, but you and the rest of the world have him around 9, 10, and I just can't get on board with that high. I um, I like him a lot. This is not a Terry McLaurin problem. This is a Washington football team problem for me. Last year, you know, was a mess at quarterback. It should be better unless bad Fitzmagic shows up, then it might be the same. That's but he true. Wide rec- he finished wide receiver 23 last year's standard. He only had four touchdowns and he had 1100 yards. I guess I'm just saying I could see a season like that happening again. 
and I'm not confident enough in Ryan Fitzpatrick, Kyle Allen, Taylor Hineke, whoever it ends up being. I just have doubts in that offense for me to take him as high as you and pretty much everyone else has him. But I love Terry McLaurin. I do not understand. I've got my nine. I think Fitz, you know, I, I had Fitz low, but he tunnel visions on one receiver, right? And, and well, so and that's good for McLaurin. Yeah, for McLaurin, because Fitz can get it to you deep. He can get yep. it to you intermediate. Like Fitz he can made get Devontae it to Parker. all over the field. He did. Yeah, so that I, I get. But like you mentioned, too, we've seen Fitz go bad often. And Fitz is but, 37 now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just, but even the bad I think, Fitz, I think the downside is still – about what it was last year. And that's not going to kill you a downside, but I think the upside is really, really good. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see as much upside with the offense being as it is right now, but yeah, apparently I'm not, like, I was looking on ESPN had him. The average was nine. They were all, one of them had him at seven, I think. So yeah. I am definitely the low guy, but I like him. I, I do not hate him. Uh, speaking <laughs> of receivers that, you know, uh, this one, it's just, it's it, this, it feels silly. I might be too low. Odell, Odell yeah, Beckham so, Jr., I've so got him at 44. But like, okay, so yeah, fantasy pros are at 22. So uh, CBS is kind of around the mid 30s. ESPN's got him kind of in the 20s. Where do you have him? I have him at 30. Three zero 30. is where I have him. I just it's weird. I don't know what to do. He's so injury prone. He doesn't look yeah. he hasn't looked good in a long time. The offense doesn't throw the football. I get it. He's Odell. And once upon a time, Odell yeah. was incredible. But I know. Man. Yeah. It, it just I don't know what to do. I have no interest. I know what to do. Trap someone else. No, I think you're definitely right. Like I don't know where to rank him. And I just it just seems like this type of headache you want to avoid. But, like, last year, it was, I think, Thursday Night Football against the Bengals. He had a big game. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's Odell. But then that's it, right? So, like, yeah, there may be games where he yeah. is Odell. And you might be like, oh, shoot, maybe I should have drafted him in round seven. <laughs> but <laughs> I just think it's a headache that should be avoided. Let's go over to tight end. Uh, the last position we're going to do, we're not going to do defenses or kickers, Nathan. I'm sorry. Uh, but let's go to, let's go to tight ends. What tight end are you higher on than everybody else? Uh, so yeah, again, the top pretty much 12, I was pretty much stock with, with, uh, market value. The one guy I liked apparently was Cole Komet. And this came from you. You, you started me on the Cole Komet, uh, interest per se. And after last season, last season, he, um, was getting used a lot more in probably the last four or five games. Not a lot, but compared to what he was being used at is what I'm saying. But, yeah, this is a guy who was drafted round two out of Notre Dame just last year. And I think he's the type of guy that could be very popular for either Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. And uh, he's my tight end 13. ESPN's average is 21. I think if you're shooting a shot late for a tight end, maybe give him a look. Uh, I'm a 12. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I was a Cole Komet guy. Yeah, um, yeah, it's – Second round pick, man. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah, so. and like we said about with Pitts, too, rookie tight ends don't tend to do that great. Yep. So, year yep. two, let's have the breakout. Uh, for me, it is a guy who I've long been tooting the horn for. It's John U. Smith. Let's do it one more time. <laughs> let's try one more time. I've got my tight end nine. And keep in mind here, people, tight end, once you get past Andrews, it becomes hazy. 
you know, there, there's ones you like more than others, but even TJ Hawkinson has his lumps, right? Like, yeah. Well, like to me, it goes, yeah. After Andrews, well, I go, um, I go Hawk, um, Pitts and then Goddard, but yeah, I mean, you know, Pitts is a rookie and Goddard still has Zach Ertz there. So yeah, it's after Andrews, it's, you're, you're it's starting to get well, and, <laughs> and Goddard's even got, you know, Jalen Hurts. You don't really know how good he's going to be or what their offense yeah. is really going to look like. Yeah, you know, Noah Fant, question. how many times has he had to let us down? So I know it's, yeah, you know, like, like every, 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 every tight end has their questions. And for Jonu, Look, they made the effort to go out and sign him. They also brought in Hunter Henry, which I know what that feels like. That's not great there, right? Um, Henry's already hurt. He's always hurt, it feels like. They also – I mean, who's their number one wide receiver? It's, Is it Kevin Nelson Moore? Aguilar. Nelson yeah, Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar. So, I feel like their it's offense good- is going to run through the tight end. And so, yeah, Johnny Smith, tight end nine. You're drafting around 15 when you're picking up all these crap tight ends. Why not give it one more chance? You know, New England's a good spot for Nelson Aguilar. You know, and, you know, really, <laughs> it's hard for me not to find a good spot for Nelson Aguilar. So my low, let me start with the low guys here. My yeah. low guy, John U. Smith. <laughs> oh no, John <laughs> uh. Smith. So you said you have him at nine, right? Yeah. ESPN average thirteen. I have him at twenty. <laughs> you hate John U. Smith. Apparently I do. So I had him last year. Um, you have him in Dynasty start. and you refuse to trade him to me. Yeah, but well you offered me like your third round pick in 2030. Hey, so I said no. You know what? <laughs> if he's your number Which, 20, if he's your number 20 tight end, you could probably now, draft a better one in 2023. I'm considering. All right. Now Tanner's Tanner's still trying to get me Anthony McRoberts here. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony McRoberts. Oh, that's not, not right. <laughs> That's not right. That's Big McFarland. I can't even get the guy's name right, but Tanner's trying to give me him. I don't even know the guy's name. <laughs> so, all right, um, McRoberts. Isn't that the guy from SEMO? Yeah, Paul McRoberts. <laughs> Never mind. Go all to right. SEMO. I didn't even go to SEMO. I'm dropping, I'm dropping SEMO alum here. Okay, shoot. Where's Dan Conway at? All right. Um, anyway. So, <laughs> Anyway, so I had him last year as a fun start, but after that, it was touchdown or bust, and it wasn't many touchdowns. That's mostly like, like that's, I, I, that's true. That's true. But to me, going to New England does not excite me with Cam as a quarterback. Now, if you were to tell me Mac Jones is going to be the guy the whole season, I'm more interested. I, I'll keep an eye on him in free agency, <laughs> but that's <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I feel like for Cam, we've seen him do well with tight ends more than he has wide receivers. So is there maybe? But that was Greg Olson. Again, this is wide. This is tight end nine. This is well twenty for me. Twenty for you. So it's it's a low end. I am not excited. I think the Hunter Henry being there is a problem too. And like, I don't know. Like, okay, Cam will open the season as a starter. I think. I, right. Yep. Cam had eight passing touchdowns last year. Right. So basically if Cam's the quarterback, I don't want anything to do with any pass catcher, including the tight ends. Because like between him and Hunter Henry, they gave them both good money. 
I don't know how to figure it out. Like, yeah, I like John New heading into last year and he had a good start. And I'm like, oh, we were right. Like, yeah. And then they just kind of stopped using him. And not your Cole Pruitt, but Michael Pruitt was, you know, he was getting some touchdowns. I'm just not interested. I'm sorry. So that's my guy. <laughs> um, well, Who's your my, low guy? My low guy is Logan Thomas. Oh, wow. I guess. I mean, everybody seems to think he was good. And, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he put up fancy points for you last year. He, he did. He ended up uh, tight end. Was this one, two, three, four, five, six, tight end seven? Hey, that's real nice stuff, right? Yeah. For, not bad for a quarterback who turned into a tight end. You know? Yes. And that's just it. I don't think he's actually any good. Um, wow. Fitz, I feel like, isn't really note. You know, I feel like he doesn't really use his tight ends. Um, they also brought in Curtis Samuel, they brought in Adam Humphreys. They still have McKissick there. You have Antonio. Like, I feel like Humphrey plus, like, the running backs, it's going to take a lot of targets that we're going to Thomas. Uh, I've got him at tight end 19. He's got a ton. Wow. Boy, that's, I'm surprised you have that low. I have him at eight. So, basically, yeah, there you John, go. <laughs> this is the flop. Yeah, I, I was really impressed last year. Now, I will say, though, you are right. He was a target hog last year. And I think he Alex Smith is a lot of that. Too. You went from Alex Smith, check down Charlie. Let me just who's safe and open down here. Yeah, oh, that's to, not Fitz. That's right. Not so Fitz. now it's Fitz yeah. who's gonna say, "Oh, what's that? Terry McLaurin's double covered." <laughs> he can go up and get it. I I see an opening. I got. <laughs> so that, that's where I'm coming from with Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas was wow. a product of no wide receivers outside of McLaurin did anything. That's now true. they brought in two guys, including Humphrey. Well, I think that's a big deal for Thomas's purposes. Where I think I think Humphrey takes a lot of those same targets, that same area of the field, um, and then yeah, the quarterback change, maybe, but, I think but is massive Thomas is big and strong. <laughs> I don't know if he's strong or not. He is fairly large. I mean, I just I don't see much there. Uh, okay, well, it, it does. I mean, it, he was a target hog. It was a ton of targets. So I, like I said, I have him at eight. I have him with like Mike Isaki at Robert Tanyan, who I also have questions with. So yeah. I'll probably uh, I'll probably end up having one of them. So we'll see how this goes next year. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely see the concern. But I'm definitely a lot higher than 19. I, I was I was impressed. I was impressed enough to keep him um, you know, just inside the top 10. I was I was unimpressed. I thought he was a byproduct of the offense and of the circumstance. Nathan, thank you so much for joining me here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Everybody, uh, would you like to plug, plug anything? You know, the uh, the Insta or the Twitter or anything like that along those lines? Do you have anything? Sure, yeah. Nathan Frizz 13. Um, always throw it to 13. Uh, so hit me up on any of the social medias. That's me. There you go. Follow me on Twitter at RealMattMormon. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Also, follow the podcast on Twitter. I don't remember that Twitter handle, though. Give me just a moment. <laughs> I was prepared for so much of the show that I forgot the part. Uh, at ADP Dudes is the Twitter handle for the ADP podcast. We thank you all again for listening to us on this lovely day. Tanner, I believe, will be back for our next show. I believe we're going to try to record that next weekend. Uh, but we still got to figure that scheduling out. But thank you, everybody, once again for listening, and we'll see you next time.